at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week I'm joined by Civ Pop writer Joseph and Scott. Greetings. We write for CivPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out the website, CivPop.com, to keep up with all of that. On today's show, we're going to be talking about two coming attractions, Weird uh, and Enola Holmes. And we'll be... oh. Shoot, sorry, I forgot I started doing this. Um, recent reviews that you guys have done for the site, like recent long-form articles, Joseph has our out-of-market once every month, so there should be one of those coming up. I guess it will have released by the time this episode does, so yep, um, that'll be brand new on the site. And then um, you also did a All Quiet on the Western Front retrospective. Yeah, I mean, with that one coming out, I think, yes, no, not uh, Friday as we're recording, it just kind of felt like it was a good idea to go back and revisit the original release. Right. Yeah. And it, it was, we, I mentioned it, uh, we mentioned it last episode, which I know maybe you're listening to this and haven't quite listened to the last episode yet. Cause we've had some publishing issues, but on the back end. but anyway, it, I, we did talk about it for a little bit and it was, it was a good article and really kind of set the tone. Yeah. I, it's, it's a heavy movie and the, the book itself is also really heavy. So I, I did feel like I needed to include some elements in there just to kind of help get the tone across of just like, this is a heavy subject, but this is written by someone who dealt with that. And these are perspectives of people who were in the war. True. So it helps give the gravity of what was going on. Yes. Yep. And then Scott also has an article that is recent, uh, beyond the school of good and evil, something like that. <laughs> school of good and evil beyond the, I don't know, whatever the, that movie. <laughs> this one is just called this, uh, school for good and evil. Nah, it's beyond the something whatever school and evil. I think. <laughs> you want to give us a short form did you, on it? Did you? Did you? Uh, for somebody that maybe wants to read more, did you? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Uh, no, this was this was very high. My highlight, uh, low love. Wasn't quite sure what I was getting into, but it it, it was a, a really good movie. Um, it it's a common trope at this point in time. Take some people, whisk them away to a magical school, yeah. and chaos ensues with them learning how to navigate this new form of magic or powers whatever have you while being taught and growing with adolescence so just a nice unique take obviously the comparisons are going to be made to a more famous wizarding school but i think that it holds up on its own and it's miss, well miss peregrine school for peculiar children right that's yeah the one? absolutely exactly yes. cool. yeah that's what I exactly actually yeah. I, was, I was talking about annie Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, I Mich- didn't want to name it, but yeah. Matilda, um, <laughs> <laughs> Harriet, the spy. <laughs> well worth a watch. Well worth a read. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, so that's all the stuff you can check out on the website. Uh, recent stuff that these guys have written. I'm still working on a uh, Gotham Knights review because I'm still far from completing the game and it'll be a while, but whatever. It's fine. And um, yeah, on the podcast, we'll be talking about two coming attractions, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, and uh, Enola Holmes 2. I just realized I forgot to put two in your guys' show notes. Hopefully you picked up on that. 
I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, we're doing a, mo- a coming attraction on the movie that came out two years ago. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we'll we'll get into those, and then we'll talk about the Sif topic. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Little Giants for our nostalgia picks this week, and then we'll do for the B plot. Had a really hard try- time trying to find out something that could like batch. I thought about Rick Moranis movies, but like it's been so long since I've seen most of his besides Ghostbusters. Like it would be very difficult. Um, for me to put one of those together i thought about like kids sports movies but i'm like eh, i'll save that and um i thought about a couple different things ultimately we are going to plot out a little giant sequel with becky jr and spike kind of present day ish so yeah that's what we'll be doing for the b plot and we'll wrap up with the spinoff but first let's get a chance to know our writers this week um guys i want to know how do you celebrate halloween scott if you want to go first uh sure uh my best friend's the Saturday before Halloween, always throw a Halloween party. It's it's not a rage or anything like that. A few close people get together, dress up in costumes, uh, go to a house that's decorated. Very lovely time. And then I, I do have an eight-year-old son, so we will be doing the trick-or-treating around. Uh, we just moved into a house, so we get to see the lay of the land of the neighborhood and the candy and decide mm. if this is the neighborhood we trick-or-treat for the next however it's four mm. or five years or so. Or Yeah. Yeah, make another sure. neighborhood. Make sure you get the full-size candy bar neighborhood. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph, what about you? Honestly, there's not much I've done for Halloween in a long time. I mean, usually we put, like, mums out on the front porch. We, like, we'll set up pumpkins for decoration. But Halloween kind of loses luster quickly when your brother's birthday is Halloween. Mm. So I always give my brother a little bit of uh, heck because, well, brothers. Yeah. So I, so if you're going to be wishing him a happy birthday, uh, for his, uh, come Halloween day, uh, might do it like at two in the morning for about when he was born. But other than that, the day after Halloween when candy is extremely cheap, I go and, uh, scour the shelves, make sure there's anything left. Yeah. I typically do that, but I don't get around to doing it until like the afternoon. So, but I still get a bunch of stuff that's like, Ooh, interesting. Why has nobody bought this yet? This sounds delightful. And then I wind up like being like, Oh, that's why it didn't sell. Or like, Oh yeah. wow. That was a buried <laughs> treasure, you know? Yeah. Same thing with Easter and Valentine's Day and all that. So anyway, I just I have to work tomorrow. Um, we're recording the night before Halloween. I have to work tomorrow, mm-hmm. ten thirty a.m. to like four thirty p.m. Trick or treatings from five thirty to eight. But I go in an hour before I go inside the house an hour before trick or treating actually stops because you know it's dark by seven o'clock. So mm-hmm. all the little kids are actually like you know home. So it's just a bunch of the like punk junior hires uh, that yeah. are walking around like taking the entire like, bowl of candy on the porch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like th- th- they're not actually dressed up as anything. They're just walking around grabbing as much free candy as they want and just being in general teenagers. And mm. I'm not that old, but like I was at least respectful when I was a teenager. So it mm-hmm. is just one of those that I'm like, you suck and you don't get any candy from me. Cause you yeah. got a bunch of candy from across the street or whatever, <laughs> especially cause like you see them pour a bowl in the, in their pillowcase. And then like a little kid comes up later and you're like, Oh buddy. Oh, so mm-hmm. anyway, uh, like, you can have extra candy from me. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so we just <laughs> go inside, but yeah, just fire pit in the, in the driveway, have mm. some beers. You know, it's fine. Sounds fun. Time. It's like the one time a year my fire pit gets brought out. So (laughs) (laughs) that's it. I do have one random question for you guys before we move on. Now, I do not have the question prepared because I am a bad show host. (laughs) So we're just going to see. That makes it the ultimate prompt. 
If you don't know what the question is going to be, you can really catch us off guard. Uh I could really catch myself off guard. (laughs) Look at that. Boom, that doesn't happen very often. We've done that one. And that's a lame one. I think I gave away favorite sports team early. Uh, (laughs) No, 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 no. This is great radio, guys. This is Uh super great. Uh, No, no. What is one part of your morning routine? Why not? Coffee. I'll, I'll go with, with something not the traditional of wake up, brush teeth, take shower. So I don't like the taste of toothpaste. So I have to really search for something that's not minty. Like I don't mind mint, but just mint toothpaste is not great for me. So sure. before after I brush my teeth, I will eat an orange citrus mint to kind of get rid of the mint taste. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Especially with that being orange citrus, because from my own personal experience, brushing your teeth and then having orange juice is a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's the mm-hmm. citrus, not so much the, it's not very orangey, it's more citrus, so mm-hmm. it balances out. And, and it's, it's, not, it's not basic toothpaste either, it's cinnamon toothpaste, so I'm not oh, going straight from that might be a bit to, different. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I have a very basic morning routine. Um, I don't do anything super special or anything like that. I, um, uh, I, 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 depending on when I need to be at work or when I need to start working on things, it's, it's usually, I just I lay in bed for as long as I can and take the dogs out. And, but I, t- but I take myself to the bathroom before I take them to the bathroom because priorities usually scroll some tech talks. <laughs> I, w- I am a morning shower though. I shower every single morning and sometimes in the evening as well, but never in replace of because uh, showering over before you sleep is stupid uh, because oh, I, I am a night sweater. So <laughs> why would I get myself clean to go lay in a bed that is dirty from my sweat as opposed to just refresh as opposed to just getting clean in the morning? The times that I shower in the evening are after I get off work and it's more of a rinse um, and I'm just rinsing all the sweat off of me. So that I can go to bed in a like decently clean bed. And then I'm going to clean myself in the morning. So morning showering is where it's at. Yeah, Every morning. Mine's, my morning routine is ex- extremely basic. Like I said, it, coffee, something for breakfast, try to wake up and get myself out the door. Yeah. Although my morning routine may change because as I said before the show, I currently have a job offer on in hand out in Kansas. So that could possibly throw a couple of wrenches into the plans, depending on where they put me there. Well, uh, this question is boring, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go with favorite Halloween candy, actually. I don't pick the questions. I put them in a random generator. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I think I picked the first questions, but I stopped writing them down because it used to just be things that I would think about throughout the week. <laughs> Or like I bought a new bread and I was excited to talk about it. So that was the very first episode <laughs> or whatever. So now that's why it's always what's kind of what kind of bread do you buy is the hint. Yeah, it's, no, it's more so an example, like an example. Yeah, yeah examples are word. But I actually gave it to somebody one time. and they I, Yeah, I remember that episode. You yeah. threw me off. I was like, oh, my gosh, you used it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so but it was just like, you know. I was excited to talk about a new kind of bread. So I don't know. I just whatever. So anyway, show, man. It is. It is. And I'll do what I want. And I will take up all the dead air that I want because it's my show. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you can always edit out the parts you don't like. No, I don't have time oh. to do that, man. Oh. 
Good point. Uh, all right. So weird and Enola Holmes. Let's start with Enola Holmes only because this is a sequel. So there's a little bit more ground to be broken. Weird is kind of a, I mean, it's, it's kind of based off of existing IP. Uh, not really. I mean, it's a biopic, but like that means it's a true biopic. So like, it's not, you know, a, a completely original. So anyway, let's start with Enola Holmes too. Uh, new Netflix movie starring Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, Henry bon- Helena Bonham Carter. Um, let's see, David Thewlis. Anybody else that I'm missing on this? I think that's it. That's the big hitters. Let's see. Now a detective for hire, Enola Holmes takes on her first official case to find the missing girl as the sparks of a dangerous conspiracy ignite a mystery that requires the help of friends and Sherlock himself to unravel. Uh, Enola Holmes 2, not any special title, not, you know, Glass Onion and an old Holmes mystery or anything like that. (laughs) Just Enola Holmes 2. What are we thinking about this movie? Let's take. Let's imagine this was theaters only. Let's imagine that this was. Your know, budgets don't play effect. Schedules don't play effect. The only thing keeping you from seeing this movie is your own free will. When do you think you would check this out? Um, would you go see it in a theater? Wait, wait, wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for. Or are you just not interested in this movie? Scott, let's start with you. I th- I think I would say streaming, but because I haven't seen the first one. I feel like almost obligated to say not interested. So probably more realistically streaming. It came out in theaters and everything like that. Uh, Yeah, I'd probably go streaming after I watched the first one, obviously. But streaming. Yeah. You mean if it were to to come out in theaters? Yes, yes. Okay. And Joseph? Well, initially I was going to say streaming because the fact that, uh, well, one, I need to also watch the first Enola Holmes. Uh, because there's a couple of friends of mine on Discord we're going to try to do a watch party sometime in the future to actually try to watch it because they watched the first one. Mm-hmm. But you read that cast, and now I'm kind of sitting here thinking it might have bumped itself up to like a matinee streaming uh, screening kind of thing. Okay. Because that's a lot of names that I really enjoy watching on the screen. So maybe like a rent it then? That's kind of your half, half, halfway well, there? I'm, I'm thinking more like matinee on a... Half so, off, half price day or something like that. Got it. Not necessarily so like, like opening night. So theaters, but not an enthusiastic theaters. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, okay. I am gonna go ahead and say a pretty enthusiastic, meaning in a good way, not interested. Uh, meaning like close to streaming because I watched the first one and I was really excited for the first one actually, but it wound up being way too long. And pretty boring. Mm. And me and my wife watched it opening weekend because it was a Netflix original. I don't think it was initially planned, but it was COVID year. So Netflix exclusive right when it came out. And we were like, yeah, we're really excited about that. And it was very disappointing. So I I just can't get excited about another one uh, at the moment. I want to be excited about it because I want to be excited about a kid detective movie that's not really geared towards kids it's kind of geared towards all families the first one like all ages i feel like anybody can watch it but it's not a kids movie you know so does it, it feel like be. it doesn't really know its audience no it feels like it's just trying to go for a vague so it's almost almost like how harry potter can be for everyone you know okay like especially like after the first two like yeah. it really can be for everyone it's kind of like that all right. or maybe 
I don't know. It's weird because, like, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen him. So the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, like, I feel like could be for pretty much everybody, but I don't. I don't feel. I, don't, I haven't seen it recently enough to confidently say that. So I don't. I just the first one was so disappointing. I can't get excited about a second. Mm-hmm. So. Like it almost set the bar a little bit too high for what you were actually given. In a way, that makes sense. Uh, it could be my own expectations, but I was just like, I really wanted an interesting you know, detective movie, right? Because I want an interesting detective movie and you know, mm-hmm. Knives Out had recently come out and like we're starting to get this resurgence of the detective oh. genre. Uh, and uh, it was just kind of boring, definitely too long. Um, I thought it was going to be more creative than it was and it just kind of wasn't. And Millie Bobby Brown's fine. Henry, Henry Cavill is fine. Everybody's fine. Nobody is bad, but nobody's great either. So yeah, yeah I can see where you're coming from there. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, I want to be in the streaming category uh, and this will be one of those things. We'll just see how reviews turn out and then maybe I'll pop it on, mm-hmm. but more mm-hmm. like more than likely I'll just, my wife will want to watch it and I'll just tell her, watch it without me. I don't care. Tell me if it's any good <laughs> <laughs> or tell me if I would Fair like enough. It, and we'll see. So yeah, that's it. Any other thoughts? Can't say much without I, seeing the first one. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah kind of what I thought. Can't say much without seeing the first one. Can't say much, at least in my opinion, without really seeing the trailers. So yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't mind this. Uh, yeah, just growing. It's just one of those things because of the way that streaming works is you see it and it piques your interest, but then something else piques your interest more and you just never really get around to watching. And that's really what happened with this one is it just kind of kept falling yeah. through the cracks of things I wanted to watch. So well, yeah. and reviews, I don't think I'm alone in saying this movie was just kind of like, OK, so yeah, you're right. So like it definitely doesn't like urge, you know, when something like um, what's a recent like streaming movie that everybody was liking or when the when would be the last one <laughs> that's a good question <sighs> for, some, for some reason rrr popped in my head but i don't know yeah if that but was that was streaming February. Exclusive. it was yeah if, that was at least just... in the states yeah yeah it, i, I should do that, should do that one for out of market actually yeah mm. <laughs> yeah i mean that one also did have thing. a three-hour runtime but that was february there's got to be a more recent one since february maybe either halloween ends or hellraiser those are the Pray. ones that Pray. that might have got the most Pray. That interest. Would be yeah, Prey would be a recent one, right? Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty recent. Oh, yeah, that, yeah that's a it. lot yeah. of traction. I, yeah, yeah that, I'd say that was the most popular, maybe the most what, popular streaming you movie saw of the that, year. I thought about Hulu after Hellraiser because I was yeah, like, okay. I think horror fans were excited for Hellraiser, but not everybody. Yeah. And and Halloween Ends was also in theaters. It was just it was. also on Peacock. So. Yeah. Yeah, Prey. Prey is the, Prey. Is the right example. Yeah. So, Prey is the which right Which I yes. still haven't gotten around to seeing Prey, but it's very <laughs> high on my watch list. So anyway. I'm known for the list of shame. You know I've not seen Prey yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to start buckling down here soon and start like watching all the stuff that I missed in 2022. So mm-hmm. it's fine. I got some time. I'll mm-hmm. start on it now. I'll start on it right after I beat Gotham Knights. How about that? Um, so. Sounds good to me. Cool. Well, let's move on to Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Speaking of streaming on day one, this is a Roku channel. Um, streaming on the Roku channel um, November 4th. Um, that's interesting. I don't I don't know if this is also getting theater release. Um, I can Google that real quick because we do have that capability. The joy of technology. I know, right? It's incredible. So, yeah, I think I, I can't see any showtimes. On my, um, just by quick Google, like of any local places, including my indie. So R- Roku channel, why not? Starring Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al, um, Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna, Jack Black as Wolfman Jack, 
Julianne Nicholson, uh, Thomas Lennon, Patton Oswalt, Rain Wilson, Will Forte, uh, Weird Al himself playing somebody else too, um, Conan O'Brien. Yeah, uh, and lots of like people that I don't know who are playing people that I do know. So, <laughs> which is yeah. an interesting thing to say. So, real quick, I will say based on at least one website I see on here, there are no plans for it to be released in theaters. Okay, Roku channel exclusively then. So, yep, weird. The Al Yankovic story explores every facet of Yankovic's life from his meteoric rise to fame with early hits like Eat It and Like a Surgeon to his torrid celebrity love affairs and famously depraved depraved lifestyle. What do we think about this? Uh, same scale, same everything. Uh, what do you think? Uh, Joseph, why don't you start us off? Honestly, if this was out in theaters, I'd probably try to be there opening day. Because this just seems like the strange kind of movie that's just an experience at the same time. What also really kind of sold me on it is seeing this one headline where it just said like the creators of the movie did not do any research into Weird Al Yankovic's actual life. And my first thought was just, good job. You understood your assignment. (laughs) That just makes sense for what they're trying to do. So, yeah, no, I'm kind of I'm actually excited for Weird. Okay, Uh, Scott. Uh, Yeah, this is opening weekend for me. Uh, I so I'm not a big music guy, so I've only been to maybe. I want to say two concerts. One of them, my first one actually being Weird Al. So I wouldn't say I'm a big fan, but there is a place in my heart for Weird Al, like everybody. Sure. So yeah, this movie sounds amazing. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I think, I don't know if it was cleared up, but that this is kind of like a a walk hard type situation where the music is real and the characters are real, but the events of the film are completely fictitious for the most part, where it's, the, the true story is not so much a true story of just more of a um, satire of the biopic genre. Sure. Uh, I'm going to land with you guys also in theaters. Uh, the thing that I, I, mean, I think the things that are really selling me on it is, first of all, the cast. Uh, I mean, Jack Black, uh, it seems perfect, like for this kind of like movie. And then Evan oh, Rachel yeah. Wood and Daniel Radcliffe leading it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you throw in all the other people that I mentioned. Yeah, great. But also this director, Eric Apple, uh, looks like he was doing Funny or Die for a while, back when Funny or Die was still good. And it looks like he did a, a, a short called Weird, the Al Yankovic story in 2010. It's like a three minute thing. But he's he's done some experience in some like TV and film. He's done some like internet segments for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which wins all the Emmys, rightfully so. <laughs> all right. Yep. I did a few episodes of New Girl, which I don't really like, but like that's still like a check on the resume of like a good thing. Um, he did a couple episodes of the first season of Silicon Valley, and that's like great. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, a couple episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, like that's a pretty impressive filmography. So at least in terms of like some recent credits. So anyway, it definitely sounds like somebody who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Somebody whose project I want to see. So yeah, that's it. I haven't seen the trailer. Um, I know it got a lot of buzz when it came out. I'm mm-hmm. excited for Daniel Radcliffe in mm-hmm. this silly role. I'm excited to see how this movie's going to come out. I'm oh, just yeah. excited. Uh, I was about to say, I think a friend of mine told me earlier today, apparently at some of his concerts, weird Al has been like, Hey guys, here's a, uh, part of a song that I wrote for the new weird movie plays two notes and go due to NDAs. I can't play anymore. Here's eat it. And just starts playing something else, <laughs> which is the most weird Al thing to do. Oh yeah. That sounds, that sounds really funny. All right. Any other thoughts? 
I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it. It's yeah. I want there to be a. I really want there to be a scene where it's he just happens to be on a plane and that lands and even though he's like just going somewhere and he's famous, there just happened to be filming a scene from the Naked Gun when he gets there. Nice. nice. I would love that kind of moment. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be fun. All right, so. That'll take us to our stiff topic. But before we do that, get a chance to promote your stuff. Guys, where do you want to send people to anywhere that they can connect that you would want them to? Joseph, let's start with you. I mean, Twitter is the main way you're going to be able to catch me. Uh, it's the super long, convoluted Joseph CSHN Davis. I really need to pare that down someday. Uh, I mean, you can also find me on Discord, like I on the CinemaSense Discord all the time. So you can always catch me there as well but twitter is going to be the main place you can get me nice and you scott Uh, i'm usually all social media i lurk a lot so i don't really post anything i'm an incredibly uninteresting follow uh so as always i want to encourage people to check out all the wonderful content on sifpop.com all right uh and then a quick reminder that patreon exists for this show uh patreon.com slash sifpopwr uh all right let's check out the sif topic uh, then so we are talking two nostalgic films so two movies that i i think the the parameters are ideally we haven't seen in 15 or so years that you remember fondly i guess or not fondly doesn't really matter if they were made for kids or not but it's fun when they're made for kids and then I think the conversation went, Scott wanted to do three ninjas, and we will get there one day. Don't you worry. Over <laughs> two in, in pitching, so. Yeah. Don't you worry. Next time, ne- when I when I send out the schedule soon, it's going to be Scott, three ninjas in there, whoever wants to join him. It's not, it's awesome. not any random nostalgia. I appreciate and, it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then Joseph was like, all right, well, like, what about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? And then we just went with a Rick Moranis theme with Little Giants as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, uh, that's that's the gist of it. So um, let's see. Where do we want to start? Scott, you tell me. Where do we start? Uh, let's start with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, cool. Because that's the order that I watched. Go, I was about yeah. to say uh, we should go chronological release order. So That's fair. Uh. Okay, so the scientist father of a teenage girl and boy accidentally shrinks his and two other neighborhood teens to the size of insects. Now the teens must fight diminutive dangers as the father searches for them. Directed by Joe Johnston. Ooh, that's news to me. Um, That's fun. Uh Um, Director of Captain America. (laughs) The the first Avenger. That's the one. And uh, that's cool. Uh, oh, he's doing a chronicle on so, anyway, I'm getting lost in IMDb. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, music by James Horner, which watching the opening credits threw me through a loop because I did not uh-huh. remember that. Uh huh. Oh, he also directed Jumanji and October Sky. Nice. And Jurassic Park. Hell, doggo. He's got a filmography there. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So, obviously, starring Rick Moranis. This also threw me for a loop, too, because the guy that plays the neighbor is in the 2004 Dawn of the Dead remake. And like that's oh, the yeah. thing I recognized him from. And I was just like, oh, that's him. All right. So anyway, I don't really know that anybody else was recognizable in this film other than one of the kids. And it's only because he's in another kid's movie. Kristen Sutherland played Buffy's mom on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I haven't seen Buffy. <laughs> I'm looking at Jared Rushton because he's uh, the friend in Big. He's Billy. So the... Okay. Just the like snotty kid, no, not the right. one that had yeah. the crush on. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, honey, I shrunk the kids. Let's talk a little bit about, about our history with this movie or really this franchise. If you have with any of the sequels, Scott, let's start with you again. This was a consistent rotation uh, in my, we had recorded 
movies on VHS. We didn't actually have the VHS copy, so we had uh, VHS tapes that had three or four movies on them, and this was one of the consistent rotations that just had that and a couple other movies on it. So I, I watched this a lot as a kid. Nice. Did you see the sequels? All of them, yes. Nice. Yep. When's the last time you think you saw this movie? Before, oh, uh, besides this week. Gosh. I I mean, I couldn't even tell you. I want to say probably <laughs> the 90s, honestly. Like, I feel like, yeah, there's no reason for me to have ever gone back to it within the last 20 years. So it's it's probably been so 20 plus years. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Joseph, uh, what about you? Your history with this franchise? I mean, it's largely the same. This is part of the consistent rotation of VHSs that I would have in our house. Uh, usually it would be interspaced with like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which was the last one I was on for. Mm-hmm. The other, at least Honey, I Blew Up the Kid from the sequel and various Thomas the Tank Engine VHSs as well. <laughs> me, me and my brother love Thomas the Tank Engine. Nice. See, and I have, I have a lot of fond memories of this movie watching it when I was a kid because I mean, I've always had an interest in science and thinking back on it while watching this movie. For this podcast, I kind of realized that this really kind of was the movie that made me interested in what science was. Hmm. Okay. I'll buy that. Sure. Let's see. My history is I have definitely seen this movie. I do feel like I have more memories of the sequels um, because when I thought of this movie, the first sequence I, I thought of was, I think, from the from the Honey, I Shrunk Ourselves because it's the parents and they um, wind up in an ant bait trap, and there's a bunch of dead ants in it. So that's the first sequence from this franchise that I remembered, and I think that sounds right that it's from the third one because um, it wasn't in this one. And then the other one is uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Baby, which I think is the one I've probably seen the most of these three. But yeah, also like here. that was '92. I was a '95 kid, and that was also like a little bit more geared towards little kids. Like de- yeah. definitely. And so I remember a shot of there of the, of the kid, like walking around the city, you know, the size of a skyscraper, obviously <laughs> ripping off Godzilla. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I definitely remember like a shot from that. So uh, it's been a while since I've seen any of these movies. I'm willing to bet pretty close to 20 years. Um, let's go ahead and say like 17 years to be safe. Cause that, that would put me like 10 years old and certainly not after I, <laughs> after I turned 10. So but yeah, a lot of a lot of play on these VHSs in my household growing up. Let's talk about the film itself then. Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Scott, I'm just going to stick with you on this one. Sure. Uh, I just liked it. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, it's a movie that I I can recommend. Uh, you, you know, just put it on. Just go along for the ride. It's, it's nothing that's going to stick with you for a long time, but you're going to enjoy the time that you had with it. Yeah. Uh, Joseph? Honestly, rewatching this kind of just like was one of those things where you kind of like rekindle that love for something you watched as a kid. And I mm-hmm. honestly, I really loved it watching it the second time. There are definitely things like the special effects that absolutely do not hold up to today's day and age of technology. But I, I just can't think of, I can't badmouth this movie at all. In my, and just in my mind, I loved it way too much. Okay. And I mean, one of the things I noticed was it's a lot of practical effects because this was mm-hmm. 19, yeah. By the way, streaming on Disney Plus. Mm. I am going to go low side of loved it. Low side of liked it. Sorry. Low side of liked it. Kind of right where Scott was for a lot of the same reasons. It, I don't think it's going to stick with me. It, it didn't quite hold up as well as I thought. And there was a, a moment in the movie where I was just really like, oh, I just don't care. And then something happens and I'm like, all right, I'm back in. So 
it, it's not quite as fun as I thought I would remember it. I think this one was made kind of for all ages, and then the sequels were definitely just made for kids. So it's just not quite super fun. But yeah, I was gonna say that about this movie. It feels like you have the lessons about the, with the for the kids, like ha- be able to have fun. Don't just think somebody's weird just because fact what you see, get to know them. But there's also that lesson for the parents of like be more attentive to your kids, but also don't be just absolutely overbearing with your kids as well. Cause you have like two opposites between the right. two different families. So it definitely yeah. feels like there's those lessons for the kids and for the parents watching the movie. Yeah. I, look, I am interested in watching the sequels and I think I might um, at some point soon, not, not immediately. Uh, but like if I'm, I, I feel like I would watch the sequels. Like if I'm sick and you know, just need to sit on the couch for a day, you know, Mm-hmm. Or someone picks it for nostalgia. Yeah, or that <laughs> certainly could happen. Certainly could talk about the the sequels, but yeah, I just feel like I, I I am interested in watching the sequels, but not not so much interested in watching this one again. I'd watch the sequels before I'd watch this one again. I assume the sequels probably don't hold up that well either, so it probably would be. I'm not interested in watching any of them again. So, uh, which is just a shame because kids' movies should have the most replay value. Yeah. All right, so let's, dive into, <laughs> uh, so let's dive into. Before we go on, I think things. there's a uh, sequel, that, a legacy sequel to uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids called Shrunk that I think is actually going to star Rick Moranis. Is that right? Yes. I think so. When do, when was it reported? I don't remember. I want to say within the last, last year. It was like first going to be talked about like in development back in 2018, but in 2020 is when Rick Moranis really kind of got started being attached to it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I watched the crap out of that. Oh, 100% yeah, same here. Yeah, I mean, I mean Rick part of the reason we picked this is, yeah, part of the reason we picked this is because it's a Rick Moranis marathon, and uh, let's be honest, who doesn't love Rick Moranis? Uh, psychopaths, insane mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> people say, hate just... fun and lovely Oh, this beings. is so cool, because, all right, so Rick Moranis will play Wayne, and then Josh Gad is going to play his son. Oh, yeah. That's a combo I didn't think I needed. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But I think I need it. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. We need to figure out when this is going to come out. We really need to watch it. Uh, There's no release date yet. But, yeah, I'm immediately in. Let's do it. So, anyway, let's dive into some of the reasons why we weren't so high on this movie. Who wants to start? Actually, I want to start. Because I really liked the opening credits. Oh, yeah, they're wonderful. Oh, those are fun. Those are a lot of fun. I thought it set the tone of what the movie should have been really well. I was about to say that. Yeah, they sorry to build off of that. No, it's, do it. It's what I was just thinking, like, what what is this? What is it about this movie that I just have trouble really attaching to? It's because they're limited to a backyard compared to what we see in the opening credits. Yes. Well, the other thing, too, is the opening credits give me very like 1960s animated Tom and Jerry stuff maybe even a little later like even like 80s and 90s animation like baby looney tunes Mm -hmm. like gives me like those kind of vibes and energy like a very slapsticky and this movie should have been that and it just wasn't it takes itself a little too seriously which is stupid because the movie is stupid so in in the best possible way the movie is stupid (laughs) so i i I thought that i thought it should have been what the tone of the movie was and it just wasn't so Mm -hmm. yeah I also did comment, it must have been really fun to be a set designer or props department on this movie. <laughs> Definitely had to be. Yeah. I, bet I mean, you, you had to, you had to imagine lives. somebody going to this, the prop designing guys and go, okay, we need to make a giant Cheerio. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how big are you talking? Like, like to my life ring? No, bigger. <laughs> Make a giant Lego and stage it as if it was lost in the grass. But like finding finding like an ancient structure. But also make it big enough that four children can fit inside a hole. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That, we 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 no. mentioned this, but Rick Rick Moranis really is a legend. He's so great. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I wrote I wrote this note. It just Rick Moranis is a legend. Specifically at the scene where he builds the contraption and is like scouring the backyard with No, no, it was before then. He was he was like climbing along the side of the fence trying not to step in the grass. I just wrote Rick yeah. Moranis legend. But the whole sequence of him trying to scour the grass with various mm-hmm. contraptions and techniques was great every single time. Yeah, no, it, that was a lot of fun just to watch because it was a very slapsticky esque kind of thing going on. Yeah, um, yeah. Very like Steve Martin and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then like especially to see where Cork like grabs the rope that he's used to tie up the counterweight and just, just slowly tightening it, and then finally he yep. lets go, and Rick Moranis gets launched into the neighbor's pool. <laughs> Amazing, perfect. Yeah, uh, that, I, I laughed really hard when that scene happened. Yeah. There's two two movies that we'll talk about for this segment where people get launched into pools. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Scott, you want to say something? I don't remember what it was though. Oh, okay. That's quite alright. <laughs> Let's see. I, mean, I want to stick to some positives because I've got some negatives for this movie and some as, things as, that belong in a YouTube channel about nitpicking <laughs> videos. <laughs> I think they've actually made that one. I need to look. And they definitely check. have. Yeah. yeah, they definitely have. Um, uh, all right. Did this movie really just make me care that an ant died? Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> And you know yes, you cried did. as a child when that happened. Because I absolutely did. And the shocking thing is, they show its death. Not just it dying, but they show the scorpion stabbing it in the head. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's traumatizing. Yeah. Did they name... I, I forget. Did they name the ant? Anti. Anti, yeah. That's what, that's what I thought. I thought it was just Anti. Okay. I, I, my wife asked me at one point, and I said, "Yeah, it's Anthony, like like Ant Man." I thought Ant-Man that's what I, that's what I thought. I my, I, that's what I thought I was getting confused with because I know Anthony and Ant Man, so that's what I was thrown off by. Okay, yeah, they name it Anti in this movie. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was just like cute baby ant. They set it free. Yeah. Should have left. Yeah. Also, if he had left, some of these kids would have died. But oh, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I want to say that I really kind of well, one of two things I'll say is kind of a negative, I guess, about this movie. Hold on, hold on. No negatives yet. No <laughs> negatives fair. yet. That's fair. I'll Does anybody have any more positives? I'm out. Uh, I I will talk the yeah. We talked the practical effects. Uh, that that's actually what I was going to say earlier that I forgot is before uh, on my recorded VHS there was a behind the scenes feature of uh, showing the actors part of the practical effects and being rigged up to like the broom and having to hang on to. <laughs> this this gigantic version of what a broom would look or a mm-hmm. ultra zoomed in of what a broom would look like in it. Uh, practical effects were amazing. And I it just one the sound effects of the sprinkler and the water dropping on them. Yeah, yeah. On the kids, yeah. that sound effect will live rent free in my head. It's such <laughs> an amazing it's just such amazing yeah. sound. And yeah. it's so unique to that situation. It's like, yeah, maybe that's what it will sound like if you're shrunk down to whatever, one eighth of your size, but I think there's significantly say, less than, yeah. than that, that. That was definitely that was definitely a point that I thought maybe really enjoyed this movie because it definitely gives you that perspective of okay the sprinkles are turned on oh god I'm getting wet but for these kids that are just like 
maybe micromillimeters in, in length and height. This is a terrifying, we could get hit by this and drown kind of situation. And I just really kind of like the way it takes these like normally just mundane things like the lawn being water, taking out the trash, sweeping, mowing the lawn and just turns it into this like massive humongous obstacle that could basically spell doom if things go, don't go right. Yeah, it's a really cool concept and they, they got really creative with it. And it's why the, it's part of the reason why the movie is watchable. You take Rick Moranis out this movie and it's barely watchable, but I think it is still watchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but Rick Moranis really is the highlight of this film. Yeah, he Absolutely. definitely carries that movie. This movie, a hundred percent. Do you have any other now, positives? I kind of like how the characters like really kind of develop. I, I the younger of the two brothers that live next door to Rick Moranis' family's house. I don't remember the names of the families. The younger of the two brothers, I struggle to find some growth with him. But definitely, I see more growth like in their dynamic as they're going across the the uh, yard. Because early on, it's just like, obviously, they're combating against each other. The older of the two has a crush on the girl. And that helps, like, bond the two of them together. Mm -hmm. And ends up uh, resulting in them dating, basically, by the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And also becomes helps grow an attachment between the brothers and also the sister and her younger brother. Mm -hmm. And just building those relationships to where the things that were normally just, like, butting heads would also just really kind of be something they overlooked and almost endear themselves with one another. Okay. Uh, sure. I guess if you want to say that, I, I didn't pick up on that. I, I understand what you're saying, but I wouldn't call what they experienced character growth. Yeah. I mean, it more, I say it's more bonding than character growth because they're still really the same characters, but they're more bonded by the end of it than they were at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. Shared trauma. <laughs> Shared trauma yeah. experience. Right. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to start talking trash about this movie. Um, I'm gonna have a hard time doing that. I have two things, and I, even then, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to say it. Right, you get your two things out of the way, and then Scott and I will just rag on this movie. All right. All right. Well, the first one negative I have is just like early on when he's like testing it on the apple, and he's getting closer and closer and closer to the apple. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking, even if you know you're not gonna get hurt by this. You're a scientist. You know how exceedingly stupid of an idea that is to get that close to the apple. Yeah. Is there, yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be, you need to be like behind a screen or something like that. And, man, and that's, that's only, the only one. <laughs> man, you're going to hate my negatives then because I, I, I my take stuff my goes off. much deeper than this stuff. <laughs> my, I'm going to take my headphones off for that. The only other negative I have is just the fact that I'm watching this movie just thinking, okay, they should have died from the broom situation being dumped into the trash can yeah they that was like a have... million story footfall yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and it's like they should have died because of the bee they should have died because of the lawnmower they should have one of them almost did die in mm-hmm. the wa- water lawn watering scene there's no there are various things that should have killed them right and bs on that whole my lungs are too small to inhale pollen like oh yeah <laughs> I yeah that's how that works. I, mean, I think i think you're dead i think your lungs are so small that <laughs> right you don't get a chance I mean, to realize. At that I'm question, not even it, asthmatic. <laughs> I mean, at that point, it becomes a question of: Are you, is your allergy to pollen due to the fact that you're breathing in and sneezing, or is it because of the fact that it's now covering your skin? Mm. Like, what kind of, how bad is this aller- pollen allergy for you, kid? Mm. All right, all right, Scott, you ready? Yeah, you know, on that note, because I I often uh, go to the IMDb trivia. 
Yeah. One of the first notes here was that there was in the original script supposed to be a kid who died during this excursion. So there was originally supposed to be five kids and one of them never made it back. Oh, gosh. Which creates a much different movie. That movie would be a lot darker when that happens. Yeah, that's a, that's a I darker movie. have a movie. similar note. <laughs> I, the very Me, last note. God for French class is all I can say. The very last note I, I wrote was, there's a million things that could have happened to make this a horror film, and I was wishing for it every time. <laughs> so, like, I was really hoping, and I just wrote down a couple examples near the end of the movie, that when they noticed the kid in the cereal spoon... I was just really like the a great way to end the movie would have been like you just ate the other three like <laughs> <laughs> or at the very uh, end when they all get embiggened because they all get embiggened in the same fuse if it would have just fused them together like the fly <laughs> that would have been hilarious uh, <laughs> that would have uh, been a hard turn as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a really nice kids movie, and then all of a sudden a horror movie for the last thirty seconds. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how. You, I don't know if. Yeah, you can't. You can't make that totally work. <laughs> no, no, no. You can try, no. it, and you can make it fun. Uh, I, I mean, the, the science behind the idea of like shrinking the space between the cells, even then, it's just like, yeah, there's no way that's actually going to happen. That's. I really. That is not accurate at all. Yeah, it's it's weird though because I'm almost like, oh, I almost kind of wish one of the kids died. Because it would have added some gravity to their situation. But it's also like my biggest complaint about this movie is that it wasn't silly enough. So like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it darker instead. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Scott, what else you got? Uh, you know, kind of going off that. This I have just such an irrational fear of being shrunk that small. So mm. this, as far as horror movie, it just kind of hit the right notes. Like that, the end scene is hard to watch um i will say the um not rusty ron he's just obnoxious like there is like he's just still the character he was when he was full size it's like read the room <laughs> you don't have to be such a bully right now maybe work mm -hmm. together with the people around you so the fact that he was pretty one-dimensional yeah um, throughout yeah the whole i can thing, see that maybe maybe he he grew a heart when when his pet aunt that he knew for 30 minutes died <laughs> But for the most part, it was there. Yeah, there was not much growth between any of them. And yeah. they're not really fleshed out characters. You know who has the worst character growth and is the least fleshed out person in this movie? The freaking wife of Rick Moranis. I guess ex-wife or whatever. Because, like, it starts off about this whole ambiguous separation thing. Oh, right. And then all of a sudden she shows up and she should be livid at him. And she's just like, whatever, I want to find the kids. And it's like, all right, I guess that's also an appropriate reaction. But then there's like, after watching him search all day, and this is one day, and it was like, you get the feeling that they're about to divorce in the beginning of this movie. Oh, like, yeah. She's coming over to serve him papers. Uh -huh. She says, I love you, Wayne, because she sees him sleeping on the couch. And it's like, there is nothing that should cause this change because they have done some searching of their children together. <laughs> They have he hasn't changed at all. He is still the same person. You are still the same person. And on top of that, your kids are still missing. So what happens when you say I love you and then you ch choose to rectify things and then later you find out that you know you lawn mowered them up or whatever. <laughs> like you're going to go back to hating him like <laughs> it pissed me off to no end. And um I have three three things that are really hated about this yards first of all where do you guys think these people live 
I don't know why. I, My, thought, I thought Indiana. I was thinking, you know, I was going to say LA and or like somewhere in California, but I'm now thinking what parts of California are not going to be like really clear hills in the background or something like that. It's suburbia somewhere, right? Yeah. Like, mm. I, I don't know if it ever particularly says. I kind of got Midwest vibes. At least that's what we're going for. But like, like suburbs, like of a big yeah. city. Right. So like maybe like suburbs of Chicago or something. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. There's no freaking scorpions there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let alone in people's backyards. Like, okay. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. If the, if he had swapped that with like a fire ant, okay, sure, I can believe. They literally you. wrote effing scorpions in their yard. Where do these people live? You know that could have easily been ratified if you just showed that that Nick had an escaped scorpion. Like he's the type of kid that would easily have a pet scorpion. Show that thing being escaped, and now all of a sudden you have some conflict. Yeah, make the scorpion, make the scorpion like hunt them. I don't know yes. about Nick. Maybe. Ron, that's that's younger brother next door, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good. Point. Maybe I can see him sure. having a pet scorpion. That seems yeah. more his style. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I, I I think that there is a way to write in the scorpion, but yeah, just a random scorpion nah. doesn't fit doesn't fit the setting. Nah, they just needed a reason for Antony to die. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and then my other two are related. Um, first of all, the the thing I wrote in all caps is this grass isn't even long. <laughs> Because there's like six people that make fun of them for having long grass. And I'm like, you should see my backyard. Like, <laughs> like, th- like this is what I mow. That, that is to the level that I mow down to. Like, that is a decent lawn. And it looks really big when they're in it. But they're, you know, half the size of a Lego. Like, yeah, it's going to look, it's going to look big. Mm-hmm. But they're like, they're all making, making jokes back there. That the grass is way too long. And then it shows the grass. And it's like, yeah, that's a normal backyard. Mm-hmm. This is stupid, but they're they're like bullied by the rest of the neighborhood for having long grass. <sighs> anyway, I mean, I can kind of understand some HOAs are a little bit extreme on how tall grass is supposed to get. So I can kind of maybe see that. That was not big... tall enough for any HOA to get mad. It wasn't long. It was nor. It was regular. Sure, it I mean, was. I, don't get me wrong. I'm with camp, you, but but... <laughs> but it was barely. It looked like slightly longer than golf turf. Anyway, the and then and then the other thing was when the kid finally comes over to mow the lawn, which by the way he agreed to do later that day, not the next day. So that kid sucks. Don't yeah. ever ask him to do anything <laughs> for you again. No. Nope. Also, when he finally goes to mow the lawn, the lawn mower is just he's just pushing it around at random. That lawn is gonna look so bad. It's gonna be so streaky and inconsistent. He's gonna leave clumps everywhere. There's no way he cuts all the grass. Not a chance. No. He's going to leave it patchy. He's going to leave a bunch of lines that are gross. Like, no, no. You go up and down or left and right and you zigzag, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't just, you don't just get out there and just like, all right, sure. I'm sure I'm going to cover everything. Freaking kids, man. <laughs> that really made me mad. <laughs> I, was like, I don't even care about landscaping, but if this kid came over to mow, mow my lawn, I would throw him under the mower. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> I mean, I can I definitely see where you're coming from on those negatives, but I just I just had so much fun with this movie that a lot of those I just I'm looking at just going, yeah, but I'm enjoying what I'm given. Oh yeah. And I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was mildly. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, 
I also do dream of a giant oatmeal cream pie, though. Is they made that look <laughs> delicious. No, that I was definitely awesome. when I was a kid after watching this movie. Aside from the lawnmower scene and when he's in the bowl of cereal, I was just like, man, it would be so fun to just shrink down to minuscule size and just explore the lawn. Yeah. Nope. Nope. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> no, it there wouldn't. Two sets get... of people. This is terrifying. This is awesome. No, because out of the million times those kids should have died, yeah. they would have. Uh, yep. <laughs> anyway. no, they're definitely, they, they, those kids definitely should be dead. Like I said, I'm interested in watching the sequels. I don't know about this one again, um, but so for me, if you have fond memories of this movie, I say leave it in the past. It's better off that way. If you have kids, they might enjoy it. It's it's not going to hurt you to, to like check it out with them, but ultimately, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, like I said at the beginning, it's it's worth a watch. It, it's it's definitely worth at least maybe bonding over with kids over. Okay, and then Joseph, what do you? What is your assessment? Don't listen to either of these two. This movie is a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely worth going back and revisiting if you have very fond memories of this movie, especially if you really just got interested in like science or something like that from the movie. Okay, all right, well. I guess you have three varying answers, and you can pick whichever one you want to listen to. So, that's fine. Let's move on to Little Giants, then. 1994, Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill, Devin Sawa, and a bunch of people that I can only see in this role. And that I don't really like think anybody made a name for himself. And John Madden, also. John Madden <laughs> making an appearance. <laughs> Surprise, John Madden is surprising. <laughs> Misfits formed their own opposing team to an elite peewee football team, coached by the elite uh, team coach's brother. Little Giants, what is your guys' history with this one? Uh, Joseph, we're going to start with you for everything for this movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's only fair since you guys did Scott last time. I don't remember this movie nearly as much as I did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I remember watching it. I don't remember owning it so i'm pretty sure it was one of those things where when you're in school and they decide all right we're just gonna watch a movie we're gonna watch little giants and they put it in the vhs player and just watching that instead of doing any of your classes so that's the main memory i have of this movie usa exactly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, american education at its finest Scott, what's your history with this one? Yeah, I didn't own this one either, but I feel like it was just always on like HBO or Stars or whatever movie network that we might have had at the time. Nice. And it was it was one of those things where as a kid, if I saw it on, I'd probably watch it. And I I really like this movie. I owned this movie as a kid, uh, but we were a buying family, not a renting family, and we never had cable. So it was just always antenna. And then with the money that they saved by not buying cable, they would buy movies. Mm. So, yeah, especially, you know, by the time VHSs became affordable. Yeah. So, uh, and then DVDs for sure. So, yeah, I definitely have seen this movie a good amount of times. Not any, I don't think probably as much as I saw any of the Honey, I Shrunk the Whatever's movies, but I definitely had seen this one a decent amount. I feel like I'd seen it even more recently than Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I definitely saw this movie again about maybe two or three years ago, one random day. Um, this it wasn't available to stream anywhere that I could find. Um, I owned a copy. I own a copy digitally, mm. so it was weird that it wasn't fine. But I think when I watched it, I think it was on HBO Max. I don't know, maybe it was still on my owned digital copy. But that's it. So I'd seen it semi recently, mo- pretty much as a child. I feel like a handful of times, not a ton. All right, 
Time to move on to our scores. Joseph, do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I'm scared to answer because I'm afraid I'm going to be off from the two of you like I was last time. But I was kind of high side of okay, low side of liked it. All right. It just and... didn't grab me like I hoped it would. Okay. Scott? Uh, no, I love this movie. Me too! Yeah! <laughs> I was afraid this was going to happen. <laughs> Here's the other thing, though, too, is I don't care about football. Like, <laughs> I don't care that the game makes no sense the way it plays out. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> the the game was honestly the part I enjoyed the most about this movie. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was for sure a fun time, but... And it seemed like it took a while to get into it, which was definitely a negative. Like, I felt like, oh, like, I, I thought it got to the game a lot sooner. I First of all, I thought the whole movie was a lot shorter. But it's like an hour and 47 minutes. Oh, yeah. This is a feature. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I love it. Maybe go low side <laughs> of loved it. But, yes, I'm a big, big fan of this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just great. It hits all my sweet spots. Where do we want to start? I'm going to look at my notes. I mean, let's... All right, let's start with the whole, like, concept of this. All right, it's ridiculous because these kids would never win. Never. <laughs> no, no, And no, I get that their whole not. rallying cry is it only took one time. Yeah. I beat him once. And it's like, yeah. you would lose this game 100 times out of 100. Like, <laughs> there's no way that the Cowboys only scored 21 points in the first half. And I get yeah. that they were only eight-minute halves. But they would have uh, they would have scored, kicked off, immediately like received intercepted or fumbled or uh, or a muffed kick i think i might or, have missed the the time did, did they mention only eight halves or did they no i just saw eight minutes on the scoreboard in the background that, no, that makes eight, sense. eight okay. minute quarters sure and yeah there's no Let's... way the cowboys only scored 21 points in the no. first little bit and you yeah, have to assume they got shut out in the second half Right, which they kind of show like they don't really have the ball much, you know, because they mm-hmm. forced a turnover really quickly by yeah. Becky taking out Spice, Spike's legs, mm-hmm. and then they for uh, then I think they did another um, forced turnover, mm-hmm. and then and then during the last drive they stop them at the one yard line and it's a turnover on downs, which was stupid. Okay, the coach <laughs> can still t- call timeout until the ball is snapped. So when he realizes yeah. they know the play, I, call time out. <laughs> I think we're going to spend a lot of time breaking down that game. <laughs> yeah. But I will say in defense of him not calling time out when he recognizes the play, they had snapped the ball. We're talking about the final play. They had snapped the ball. No, so. no, 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 the, no, no. The final play from the Cowboys on the offense. Yeah. The one oh, on the okay, one yard line one. where, where what's her face comes down from the stands is like, you remember that championship game? And he's like, I know the play now. So, he, he calls timeout and tells the kids to form up. Like, Coach O'Shea, the Cowboys Coach O'Shea, can call mm-hmm. timeout when he realizes right. what's going on yeah. and change mm-hmm. the play. Yes. Or at least scream audible. Like, and then yeah. they would know, do something different. Only thing I can think of is if they were t- out of timeouts. <laughs> well, or yeah. the but. other thing, too, is how do the Cowboys, especially these kids that are supposed to be really good and really trained, how do they not recognize the shift that is so clearly Spike? Like, and not only that, but they've never given the ball to anybody besides Spike. Why would they change yeah. now? <sighs> I, mean, I I kind of feel like that's one. It's one of the good things I like about the movie is that you get that vibe of the sibling rivalry that's been stewing over the years because yeah. you have the older brother. I think it's Ed O'Shea. Ed O'Neill. Oh, no. Kevin O'Shea. Yeah. Kevin O'Shea. The actor is, got, the actor is Ed O'Neill. I got the actor and the character. Like it's Kevin yeah. O'Shea. He's always been the like hot shot football star who went to mm-hmm. the college, won the Heisman, 
And then the most stereotypical thing came back to his hometown to open a car dealership. <laughs> Naturally. And his rivalry with his younger brother, who he's always just kind of overshadowed. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, like, Kevin always just being the confident, like, yeah, no, we ha- we're we going to win this. Yeah. And kind of going in just a little bit, almost like he's looking forward to the actual peewee season as opposed to the opponent in front of him. Mm-hmm. So like that's one of the good things I kind of liked about this. Just they're showing this rivalry and the idea of like they only have the one thing that they're focusing on while Danny is like actually building a team, trying to build something that, you know, might just well, work. Well, and Danny is consistent throughout. He's not teaching them football tactics. I mean, there's a little bit of like mention of stuff. He's not teaching them play calling and play running and things like that. He's just teaching them to have fun. And he's very consistent throughout the movie, including during the last game. He's never he, like he would like to win, but he's he's always like it's not about winning versus mm-hmm. the other guys. Not about having fun. It's all about winning. And like again, that's why he would destroy the other team. But um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's also funny because like the 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 fat kid from the Giants winds up like outrunning the rest of the Cowboys during their final play, and it's like yeah. he specifically ran the slowest during tryouts, and like. It's mm-hmm. two weeks. Like, <laughs> yeah. surely his stamina and cardio didn't improve that much right. since no. Um, especially when Spike is on the field. <laughs> I mean, it, it does help that it's a trick play. So therefore, the idea is that okay, they don't realize who has the ball until right. the guy's already like way down the field. Yeah, yeah. Like those kids on the Cowboys could outrun me. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, if I was on a bicycle, I might is. outrun them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Good luck though. <laughs> on grass? Uh, <laughs> on grass, absolutely not. No. So I just found, speaking of the game, like I, I feel like this perfectly encapsulates why I really liked this movie is is there's just so many great moments. And it's, in general, a good movie. I, again, I think Rick Moranis is great in the role. Ed O'Neill is great in the role. Oh, yeah. No, they nailed those roles. I really like Becky and Junior in their roles. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to hate Spike, and you do. Mm-hmm. And Spike's dad is the worst. So, like, you get all the general vibes. And I'm not looking for a complex plot or anything. And so that's that's fine. But this movie is just fun. Like, I'm thinking about all the different lines that go on in the movie. That, like, as they're saying them, I'm like, oh, this is that line. Because they're, <laughs> like, there's the one where they're like, all right, we're going to do the, the halfback reverse the thing. He's like, wait, what's that? It's like, it's a toss back to Johnny. He's like, yeah. you can't toss it to Johnny. <laughs> I'm Johnny. And it's like, that's a great line. For, oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's wonderfully read. Yeah. Like that. And then. You know, and and there's the the kid that's just like, "Hey, fellas, help me out! I can't have, I can't figure out what I had for breakfast. How can we do that? Oh, here you go!" And he start, turns around and farts, and it's like, "Yeah, classic." <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, there's there's a there's a bunch of different lines in in the in the movie that certainly work better than in the end of Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Because French mm. class, I yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite lines from this movie was after uh, Spike. Well, spiked Junior. Icebox decides, you know what? No, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm suiting up going out. And then Spike's dad's just like, that cheerleader can't play. And, and uh, Kevin's just like, that's not a cheerleader. That's my niece. And she's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, that was a really good line. I really liked that moment. Uh, yeah. well, speak, speaking of uh, just Kevin O'Shea in general, he's not your stereotypical um, evil coach. Is He's got some humanity in him. You see him, he is a family man, so... At most, he's a jock, and they do they they do call out his chauvinistic tendencies. Yep. So he's he's yeah, yeah he's not evil. He's not 
telling the kids after the worst thing ever and that if they can't play football, they're terrible. I mean, he, he, he is in the beginning. He did in the beginning. <laughs> I was about he, to say, I think uh, Kevin is just misguided as opposed to being evil. Like, he's yeah. thinking too much about he's, trying to win. Yes. He has an and ego I, and he has a reputation to uphold. Yeah. And that's a dangerous exactly. combo. Yeah. He's not necessarily a bad guy. But he is a bad peewee football coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. he's definitely a good antagonist, but he's still somebody who, like you, you, you could see that if he, he could turn it around. Yeah, sure. I mean, you yeah. also have the moment where Spike pile drives into Junior after the play is oh, over, yeah. and he basically looks yes. at his dad and just goes, "If he does that again, does that again, he's done." Yeah, right. It's like Not yeah, he's he's show, he's a uh, strong headed, he's short sighted, but even then, he has those moments of just. No, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not like he did it to Becky either. He did it to some mm-hmm. random kid that he doesn't right. know too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more, one more moment that I think is just incredible from the movie. I mean, there's plenty during the the training montage, but the one where they call the police because they're looking at binoculars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to. Really good moment. Yeah. Amazing. And the, just a, a weird bit of storytelling that I really appreciated. They make note that he called the state police because the just local police wanted that. to arrest him. So it's just like, why is this movie going into that much detail? Like, that's just so clever. Like, this movie doesn't deserve that much detail, but it does. It doesn't, and it works. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I mean, I will say, even though I'm kind of on the low side of liked it, I still thought this movie's a lot of fun. It just didn't grab me. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like well, well, one negative I have, if I could say it real quick, is when they meet when they first see Junior. Like, oh yeah, got him, get him on the team. Becky's is like. Oh God, he's hot! And then they go to this house. Danny looks in the window and is like, mm-hmm. "Why didn't you tell me it was so and so?" Because it's this person he uh, mm-hmm. had a crush on as a kid. I'm just like, ha, ha, ha. "Oh, oh, oh, boy." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's gonna be problematic in hindsight. <laughs> Scott, you were gonna say something. Uh, we were talking just great lines. Is one uh, line that that re- really actually made me laugh out loud is when they were uh, when he had Junior throw. Uh, the kid, the toilet paper roll, and he just turns to his uh, assistant coach with a football and says, "Put this in the bathroom." Just completely deadpan, and it's just, it's just a line oh, yeah. that I think no. like only Rick Moranis could pull off. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't write down notes for this one like I did. Uh, Honey, I shrunk the kids. Um, so I was, I'm looking through the quotes on IMDb right now, and there's the one where it's like, "Has their names on the back?" Yeah, so the guys at the morgue can identify the bodies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody's great. Like, even, like, they could have made Jake completely one-dimensional, the little scrawny kid. Yes. Or they could have mm-hmm. made him just, like, really timid at everything. But no, he has a voice. Like, he, he has a he has a big bark. He's very vocal. He's a character. He's not just somebody who comes out of a shell as the movie goes on. He's already out of his shell and just not as physically capable as everybody else. Yeah. I, yes. I like a lot of the characters. Like, I think, honestly, Icebox is just a cool character. Mm-hmm. Like she, she mm-hmm. does like she's the person that you'd want to hang out with. She sticks up for the little guy, and and she just has her head on straight for the most part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely give you that. I will say also, I, I hate to say negatives because I, like I said this is fun. It's still a very fun <laughs> movie, but one thing that really kind of helped keep me from really grasping it that I can point out easily is the fact that there are entirely too many fart jokes in this movie. Uh, I counted five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. Like you can still have like the kids like loving candy, eating it, and just it's just the like they're do- doing the exercise that he farts, and the kids like oh, and the faints. There's it's just like oh no, and then the there's very next scene ways. they do the like almost the exact same joke. 
Yes. Like, yeah. it, it, yes, it, they it, do. Yeah. And I was like, I yes. Well, and you can have fart jokes, but like they also showed that they could write other clever jokes. Like the the very beginning in the training camp where the kid had a peanut butter and jelly in his helmet and they thought it was blood at first, but it was just jelly. Like that's also yeah. a fun way to make a like, hey, yo, fat kid is fat, other than yeah. just fat kid <laughs> farts, right? Yes. Yeah. Like like that it, was a it, very funny scene, yeah. Yeah, or the or there is like plenty of times um uh, I get like him just running and wheezing. Again, like that was me when I was that age, you know. Uh, I was that kid. For that was sure. a, that was a note I made. Was like that. There was just a really nice touch of just like this kid making like this really wheezing, obnoxious noise at, as he runs. Is like it's it's such a good choice to just really bring you on board with these characters. Yeah, and then afterwards oh, yeah. he says, you know, how how did I do, coach? I don't know. I didn't have a sundial. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was that was a mix of me thinking it was funny, but also being like, oh, this guy is that is mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it is, and and the movie is again trying to say that. I, this very reminiscent. I mean, it, of... it very much does set the character tone for mm-hmm. uh, Kevin. Is just the I'm looking to win. I'm not looking for somebody who's just going to be sitting on the bench. The, the thing, this movie to me just reminded me a lot of the first season of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers because it's essentially the same plot. Kids get cut from a team and they're like, sports oh, yeah. are supposed to be about fun, not about winning. Yeah. The difference is in Mighty Ducks Game Changers, there was at least one kid, there was a couple kids that had skill. I guess you had Becky and Junior. Anyway, they, they bring in Emilio Estevez to coach. And in this one, nothing changes. They're just like, hey, have a little fun. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, they, and they put the, they put the, Alka Seltzer in their mouths for intimidation mm-hmm. and you know about lots of lots of fun stuff oh, yeah. um, going on there. But but you also have fun moments outside from the game too. Like there's the moment where they um uh where where the the other falls into a pool scene because um, oh, yeah. he like t- tackles the cushion <laughs> yeah. through the window. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's the, there's the car wash scene where the guy just came over to antagonize him, so he's like, guys, like. To just spray him with water, like he's in a convertible. <laughs> like, like... <laughs> it's like, hey, you happen to be our tenth customer. You get a free wash. Yeah. You're right. So, like, it's a plenty of shot back at that guy. Plenty of good moments here, uh, and like, it feels. You mentioned Becky being a really strong character, and she feels like she's got enough angst and like unnecessary teenage whatever that like it makes sense, but it's not overly done like a lot of movies. Like she's got the moment where she like comes home with the cheerleader outfit, and then she just freaks out on Rick Moranis because he called her my little fullback, and like that was yeah. totally unjustified, but like understandable. I mean, I'm not a parent, but like you know, that seems about right for that age. That that was one of the the few negatives I had was that felt really forced mm-hmm. because she never seemed to have a problem with being part of the team before and. Like and like he said, like this was like her idea. Like it's not like yeah. he put this team together to beat his brother. Like that that mm-hmm. completely would have changed that scene. But the, I guess just kid logic is there need to be some conflict between them. Yeah, and right, sure. It it seemed contrived for it to all of a sudden be against her dad in that moment. But um, but they also had the wherewithal not to make it a big thing where he just like, all right, she wants to be a cheerleader, so I support her yeah. wanting to be a cheerleader. Yeah. One, it, it was also the whole the them trying to say they set it up well with Becky slowly, like really starting to lose her football identity because she wants to be with Junior. Like right. they, they set that all up fine. So the other thing 
man, there was a scene that I totally interpreted different this time because there's the moment where Becky's in the diner by herself. It's right after the car wash and mm-hmm. uh, or right after something. And she's just like, she's, right she's got the, the hot food junior. Spike, I think is it that I think it's right after they bring in spike and he's just like, I'm not going to play with a girl and Danny and I, Becky I think get you're right. Argument. Yeah, I think you're right. Cause then, well, cause then um, Kevin comes into the diner that they're all at and she's like flicking things into the things. And it ends with this, with this moment of her, of, of her asking if he thinks she's pretty and she, and he says, no, I think you're beautiful. But it came off so different this time watching it because at first I always thought, oh, this is a tender-hearted moment between an uncle and a niece, and this is a tender-hearted moment between two people who are rivals, but they're still family. Like I always viewed the scene as, oh, this is a little bit of humanity for Kevin. But at the same time, I was watching this, I was like, this might be the only scene where he shows any humanity. So it's really hard for me to not view this scene as deceptive because he's been willing to go at any lengths to to try to stop this game from even happening even though he knows he's going to crush them and now he has an opportunity to take out their only good player because she doesn't you know because she wants to wear makeup instead of playing the football field and he's exploiting that and i was uh-huh. just like yeah i very this much picked it de- up as deceptive well it's weird because it doesn't play as deceptive i don't i don't think it was purposely deceptive i think that's I kind think of i think it kind of was i mean it on the one hand it was also maybe a more thinly veiled deceptive but he's specifically talking about like starts out as like a heart to heart as like yeah you know, as you get older you kind of grow a fondness for people and then he goes into about how he's a football player he's going to want cheerleaders he's not going to want to go date a teammate it's just like okay yeah. you are you no, got something you're trying here no i th- i think that's just him being uh, again we've already seen that he's chauvinistic so i think that's mm-hmm. just him and a chauvinistic head I think it'd be different if he sought her out to tell her all this, but she initiated all this conversation and he just gave Fair. like his honest answers and his opinions. So I, I don't think it was being deceptive. I think he's definitely getting something out of this, but I think he's also telling what he really thinks. It's the reason he didn't put her on the team in the first place. It's because in his mind, girls don't play football. I, yeah, I can see that. Well, so that's where like, I don't think the movie, I don't think the scene is trying to be deceptive and I don't think it plays off as any of that. So like, but I just mean to say, like, watching it this time, I legitimately considered it because I was like, this is the only scene that he is mm. nice, a good person. So mm-hmm. so so what if he is in it for ulterior motives? It wouldn't surprise me. So anyway, I, I don't think he's I don't I think he is trying to be sincere and honest and all that. But it just made me legitimately be like, huh, like, what if, you know, what if this scene actually didn't mean anything I thought it meant for the last 25 years? <laughs> I think it, I, I think it's meant to not be at all, but I think it actually plays eighty twenty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like he's not intentionally going in to be deceptive. It's just that he definitely gives himself an upper hand by having that heart to heart, even if he realizes it or not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And gosh, there. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the other positives, especially outside of the game. I know we're gonna get into negatives in just a second. <laughs> I mean, the the scene where John Madden shows up. Yeah, and like the kids actually like do stuff with the NFL players. I thought was really cool because it's definitely that moment of just one. You get obviously it's getting the kids interested in the NFL that are watching the movie, but it's also one of those things where it's actually them being like, "Hey, we may be big, we may be tough, but there's more to it than that." Yeah, well, and as they mentioned too, like it's it's eighty percent mental and forty percent physical. So like, don't do the math. 
Right. So they make him. So, so they teach the kids. They're reinforcing the message of you're no, you don't have to be built like these other guys. And you don't have to know football strategy the way you do. And in fact, in some ways, not knowing football is a great advantage to how you can how, how you can like beat your opponent. Obviously, this doesn't work on a professional football level in any way, but this is peewee. Like, yeah. sure, why not? I think everything becomes a little bit more realistic when you realize, like, no, oh, wait, no, hold on. This is peewee. Like, obviously, like, this isn't college level football. This isn't even high school. Like, they're, what, like, fifth grade, sixth grade mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. Like they're they're young and you know even even though Spike is a monster like he is the exception to the rule. So anyway, there was just a lot a lot. I really liked um, the parent of the fragile kid as well. She's just played off that perfect wacky. Oh creepy. yeah, she's fun. Yeah, because there's the there's the moment where she drops him off and she's mentioning like how much of a struggle it was to get him. And she's like, so I think playing football would be good for him. And it's like, oh, you just mentioned how fragile he is, and now you want yeah. him to get clobbered by Spike. Got it. But then and then when the- he shows up for like the first practice and he's like wrapped up in foam. Uh-huh. Well, and then and then he scores the touchdown and his mom's like, yeah, rip his ears off. And everybody's just like, oh, you're you're a crazy lady. And you're insane. Just- you really are insane. <laughs> yeah. And. All right, let's dive into negatives. Uh, aside from all the stupid of actual football playing that's going on, there's there's also like I don't like the ending of this movie. Like I like that the Giants win. I like I like that they resolve it by combining the two teams. Uh-huh. I, like mm-hmm. I like I really like a lot of the things that happen at the end, but I really didn't like the changing the name on the water tower. Like I get what it meant to Danny, <laughs> but it makes no sense. And like you could have asked for anything. Like how about like you know, fix up my gas station or like just give me any sort of recognition or, you know, give me a hug, you know, because you've never hugged me in your life. Like it just felt weird. And like, again, as a movie, like it opens on the water tower and they're like, our na- our names are going to be on there one day. And so like it winds up being I get what it meant, but it just fell flat for me. So, yeah, no, I thought the same thing as the, the water tower or their names being on the water tower. It's like. Kevin O'Shea actually has a name like he's a fictional yes. version of Tommy Frazier of just this all-American college athlete. But who who the heck are the O'Shea brothers and why why do they need a recognition in this town? Right, exactly. And and then somebody's going to Google it and they're going to find out, oh, it's it's his brother who owns a gas station locally, <laughs> I guess. Like and now and it's also in Urbania, which I'm guessing is a town meant to be in Ohio, I think. Yeah, it's in Ohio. Now, if you had the setting in Texas, okay, fair, because the fact that they like to say everything is bigger in Texas, and that definitely includes football. Yeah. Like, they have a high school stadium in the state of Texas that is bigger than some college football <laughs> <Right>. stadiums. <laughs> so, it's like, if it's in Texas, okay, you can say the O'Shea brothers, because it's like, yeah, no, they're brothers that coach the PB team that's, like, dominated for, like, by, at some point, like, five years straight or something like that. But in Ohio, it... It's a little bit harder to justify. Mm-hmm. Well, in Ohio, there's significantly less going on. So when something happens of importance, <laughs> you got to take advantage of it. Can't argue with that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. We already mentioned fart jokes being a negative. Yeah. I don't like the the, the Becky and Junior romance seems pretty forced. I mean, I get that it they're did. just trying to... Like, I, yeah. I really liked it in the beginning where she's just like, Icebox doesn't like girl, doesn't like boys. But she does like that one. Like I like yeah. kind of that interior struggle. But mm-hmm. when it came time to them together and they're on the boat talking about French kissing and whatnot, yeah. like, I didn't, I didn't like any of it. Mm-hmm. And it, 
I think it's just the way it's written. Like, this isn't written the way that kids talk about kissing. Mm-hmm. This is the way that yeah, adults right. write kids talk about kissing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's uh, as I, I said as well. earlier, the fact that Junior's mom is Danny's childhood crush as well just comes off as just like, oh, this is this is going to be interesting. And if they are to be together, as the movie implies... Becky and Icebox can't be. Yep. <laughs> or Becky and uh, Junior odd. can't be. Yeah, yeah. Something is going to be odd about that. Uh-huh. Uh, probably my biggest negative is just it felt early in the movie that like it started out kind of quick like they had the tryouts. They have Icebox basically saying we're going to have our own team and getting the Giants started. But then from that point until the John Madden shows up, it just kind of feels like the movie slows down to me. Sure, it does. Uh, it just feels like it kind of slows down and just starts. That's when it really kind of just started losing me. It's like, I get yeah. the scenes they're putting in there, what they're trying to do. It's just not, it's just like it, a good, a good way to look at it in my mind. If they focused more on the kid whose dad is always traveling for business, mm. I feel Johnny. like that part might, that middle part might actually be a lot more interesting to watch. Mm. Cause you have that conflict in there and it's like, Oh, this poor kid, his, he feels like his dad doesn't love him. Cause his dad doesn't, actually show up to anything but it just overall <sighs> felt slow in that point in, instead the only thing we get is as johnny's leaving the house after the intro uh he just says where's your dad i was hoping to meet him oh he's yeah. out of town for business and then we don't see anything again until the, until the, game, the game when his dad shows up yeah and he's like i'm gonna watch right but yeah i you're right the middle kind of drags a little bit and maybe it's because like it's still trying to do like this weird like Becky and junior romance while also like doing some other setup. You know, you got the, the Rick Moranis and Patty, her name, I think, I don't know. Junior's mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. Like you got a couple of different like working threads and like, we still spend a good amount of time with Ed O'Neill. Like you got a lot of things you introduce spike and all that, but it's just like I, the movie should be more fun. Like, especially since we don't, we barely ever see the giants practice. It's like a montage of the kids going through a boot camp, you know, <laughs> But like when the giants are there and they're having fun, but then they're trying to work in like some tension and it's just like you, sh- your first priority should be fun, especially because the way you win this game is by having fun. So like, you know, let, let's get a little bit less, you know, spike and Becky going at it and a little bit more, you know, here, go put this football in the bathroom. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm fine with the spike and Becky going at it. It's just the added layer of, her being interested in junior that just kind of kills that at the same time. Sure. And you could easily cut out 15, 20 minutes of that middle section mm-hmm. because time passes by so quickly. Anyway, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of Becky stuff feels like it's really drawn out. Like you could just say, you could have it jump straight from the car wash scene where she sees the way that junior kind of acts around her cousin, the cheerleader girl and jump straight to Becky doing a cheerleader. You don't need, the spike conflict. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you could easily cut out 15 minutes in the middle of the movie. Yeah. One other negative I have, and I'll let you guys then go on is the scene where John Madden, the NFL players show up. It's like, Danny just asks, like, do you have any advice or is that? And he's like, and he just, all of a sudden John Madden just leaves. Yeah. I mean, he then immediately redeems himself and talks about, it. it's like, there's more to this game than just winning. But I feel like if you would cut out the part where he start like starts walking away and Danny's like, don't you have anything? Yeah. He, he, tells that, him, he tells him good luck, and like that's all. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, just like give him something. Yeah, if he, if he <laughs> has that moment of like, there's more to this game than just winning, and then like pats him on the shoulder and says good luck and goes. 
I'm fine with that. Yeah. But I think they had like flip flopped on me and it just didn't work. No. Yeah. It was a a weird scene. Yeah. It was a weird scene, but especially because the way they introduce it is we're lost and we got to get to Akron real fast to wherever real fast. Canton's not Akron. (laughs) Canton. It's Canton, Ohio. We got to get to Canton really fast. Oh, let's stop and do a few hours of training with this Pee Wee team. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, because they're like, we're lost and we really got to get there. And it's like, yo, know, I to- totally like the way they set it up. The whole thing just feels disjointed and fine. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's just like when Wayne Gretzky appears in Mighty Ducks 2. Fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not mad about it. Yes, it's disjointed, but I'm still happy it's here. You know, I'm still happy yeah. that John Madden agreed <laughs> to, do to, movie, to show yeah. up in the movie. Yeah. And he does with the map the very John Madden kind of thing where he just like yep. is drawing on it like he would do on like Sunday football games. It's just yeah. like, uh-huh. I, yeah, I'm it was, here for this. This is great. Yeah, it was it was a nice touch. And you know, of of course, I don't know if you guys know, but John Madden is notoriously uh, always uses his bus where he doesn't fly anywhere. So just yeah, just I nice know that. And yeah, yeah, I know the story behind that as well. And it's I'm not going to go into it because it's actually a really tragic story, but it's. He had he had a very good reason why he was alive as to mm-hmm. why he did not ever want to fly. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, also I guess my biggest my other biggest negative about the movie is the biggest accomplishment that we know that Kevin O'Shea ever completes is he gets the Heisman Trophy in college. Right. Like that's the only like that's the biggest accomplishment that we know of. Like as far as we know, he never made it to the NFL. He was never he. Uh, we don't even know what position he was. Like he plays quarterback in the like flashbacks, but like mm-hmm. you have five kids playing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, your your quarterback is also your linebacker is also your defensive end. Like, you know, uh, these are all football terms. I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're doing great. Thanks. So it's so it's one of those that like it's one of those that like he, let's his greatest achievement as far as we know is he won the Heisman in college, mm-hmm. which is a great accomplishment. And this town is a relatively small town in Ohio. So I have no doubt that they would really appreciate, you know, his legacy as Mm -hmm. part of this town. But it's not anywhere near as big of a legacy as the movie treats it. Like maybe if he would have gone on to, you know, be a part of the 85 Bears winning the Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, that timeline would have worked out, too, you know, Uh, because like or I guess. I don't, know, I don't know if the Bengals won any time, but that'd be an Ohio thing. So, like, that might feel better, you know, because Cincinnati, you know, Ohio. So, like, I don't know. Or I guess even Cleveland. Wow, Ohio has two teams? How? Bengals, anyway. The Bengals have made the Super Bowl twice. Yeah. I, I know either, either way, this isn't this isn't Joe Montana's home, hometown, or this isn't, you know, uh, Walter Payton or or – any of Dan Marino, any of these people who are considered like, like Terry Bradshaw, like this isn't that this is a guy that went to college was really good. And as far we know, as far as we know, that's it. There's no mention of how he, his career was cut short because of an injury or anything, mm-hmm. but this guy is treated like he was the freaking president of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and again, with that, like state and local cops thing, uh, like, like they called state cops instead of local because locals would have just been like, ah, you know, whatever. But yeah, but state yeah. police don't care who he is. He's spying on kids. Um, so it's 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 to the point that it's so ridiculously unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the Bengals have made the uh, have made won the conference championship three times, the AFC in 81 and 88 and then last year. So 
if he was on one of the '80s Bengals teams, yeah, that timeline would work too. Yeah, exactly. And again, he yeah. could have had a Brian Leaf esque career, where it's like, oh, he's a really highly touted prospect coming out of college. He gets to the pro level and just flames out. And as far as we know, that's his story because his greatest achievement is Heisman. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was as far as we know, why he, he, owns he a car flamed out. Right. So as far as we know, he went to the NFL and was an embarrassment and moved back home. Like, yeah. And that's not a legacy you really like. So nope. take his name off of your bill, off your water tower. So it was just exaggerated and whatever. It's a kid's movie, but it was too much. I know. I, th- I yeah. think peaking in college and is, is fine. Like, I don't feel like I needed an explanation of why he's not a pro. So I, I think the fact that he he did peak in college um, as far as his uh, professional playing days goes and moving back home and trying to relive that glory vicariously through his his peewee football team, uh, I think fits the character. So I, I don't really need I, all that. I think it fits him. I don't think it fits the town. I like, cause think it every, does. Ooh, okay. Because I, I think you're right. It totally makes sense for him to go back home or – more likely go live in the town of where, or at least whatever college he went to, or at least close by um, because you'd be regarded as a legend for all time in that college. Definitely at least for a couple, you know, but let's say he went to Ohio state, like he can go live whatever city that is. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got the idea that Urbanio is a very small town. Kind yeah. Of and I, I think that, I think that's why I can forgive him for not caring about the, 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 the lack of a pro career is because they're just so proud to have this person who, who had so many accomplishments outside of this town where everybody seems to know each other. And maybe I just, again, to me, he feels like the kind of guy that the town is sick of because like you, in the, one of the first scenes we meet him in, um, he's talking to the guys in the diner and he's telling, he's telling the story that he probably tells every single person at every single gathering. And, and they even like joke around. They're like, it was two seconds now. I thought it was three. Oh, you said it was four earlier. Like he's clearly told this story a hundred times. Like, yeah especially if this is a small town like and you know he's got to be running the worst ads on tv that are nothing but him in his glory days and you should buy a car for me because people know your town because so to me like if that guy lived in my town i would hate that guy (laughs) that's that's kind of what i'm getting at you know like i think it fits him to want to go back and capitalize on that and i think some of the town you know maybe your old guys at the at the diner or whatever but like the town universally adores his accomplishments and doesn't care when he's a total dick to peewee football kids like yeah Yeah. anyway that's fine we can we can agree to disagree and i have no qualms yeah uh, sure with that absolutely so i mean i'm uh, not gonna say you're wrong because you're right but (laughs) i can definitely give it grace and the idea of like this is probably a small town maybe four thousand people and it's just like this is the one guy that we have that actually got out and made a name for himself yeah that's that's what i'm looking at us yeah, and that's fine. Celebrity. I'm just saying everybody would hate him because <laughs> it because it's only four thousand people, not yeah. forty or whatever. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts? I'm I'm completely out, but I'm welcome to entertain any other ones you guys have. I I think we we touched on the the game. We we touched on the the Cowboys definitely should have stomped them more than just twenty one points, but it's fine. You had to make it believable of how they could come back. The yeah. uh, the biggest the two things at the very end is field goals exist. <laughs> they only needed three points. I'm not quite sure why they didn't kick it. They there is there is they could have definitely written something in why they couldn't kick a field goal from the one yard line. Sure. Why did they yeah, need a touchdown? I, that made no sense. I can I see it definitely see what you're saying there. They had had a situation like when I was in high school 
and we had a rival team that we could never seem to beat. But whenever they scored a touchdown, they always went for two because they did not have a field goal kicker. Well, if you put something like that in there where they have no one who can kick the football, fine. I'll right, give you the, that. but they have somebody that can that can do the kickoff return though. Like, yeah, they, or, they so, yeah, they're, they're well. They've kicked three uh, extra PAT, points. Yeah, they yeah three extra points. So they've got somebody who can kick from at least the Some one yard line. So it's just one of those things. That, okay, it's just movie yeah. has to movie. So. How about yeah. how about during the last kick, during the last extra point, or during yeah, the end of the first half or whatever, their kicker slipped and twisted his ankle. Yeah. And so now they don't have anybody to kick right. like, anything. Because you're right, it was dumb. And and you know it's just his ego. He's going for a win because mm-hmm. other than that, the record book is gonna show that his his team almost lost, you know, yeah. one by three at a field goal buzzer mm-hmm. meter. But yes, uh, yeah, exactly. I know and, yes. And then uh the they showed Spike getting the play, uh, the ball and the play that, that Danny figured out. And as he's running, he sees three giants just like in front of him and turns around. It's like at no point did we see Spike would have just mowed through them. Like he would have just yep. put his shoulders down and drove through them. He wouldn't have been scared of them at the one yard thing. So no, I mean, at the very have. least, yeah, at the very least he would have hit them and somehow they would have managed to get there in time to provide more force against him. But yeah. Yeah, there's no way he's just like, oh no, and turns. All right. right. Yes. And and or he would have just jumped over them or literally anything stopped caused a like juked him out. Like you're right. There's no reason he would have stopped, <laughs> especially because it wasn't like it was you know Icebox and you know two other strong kids. It was like the the frail scrawny one, right? And rad dad and yeah. like the 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 fat kids. So like it's like. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. The, I, th- I think the movie was really well written, really fun up until, honestly, like those last few football plays where they had to come up with the reasons of the Giants getting only one more play. and Right. The Giants only get one more play and running the annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is a wonderful name for a play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also a fun play <laughs> as well. Yeah, we need we need Unt- more until until it turns into laterals at the end of the play, and it's like there's no way the Cowboys don't see this and and cause a turnover with the laterals. Like, <laughs> I, I not could, a chance. I yeah, I don't believe for a second that Junior sees Jake and decides that Jake is the best person to get the ball, and or that he can lateral the ball to Jake and Jake has enough football skill to catch it and keep running. Yes. It's 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 fine. It's overall, I still love the movie. Yeah, I'm about to say in that scene, the only thing I can justify that moment is just him going, I'm about to be tackled. You're the closest person to me. Yeah. Take it. And just hope I'll for the give the movie this. Nope, never mind. I won't. I was gonna say <laughs> this this movie at least gets football better than rookie of the year gets baseball, but that's not true. because uh, we harped on that a lot last month. But no, that's not true. Um this movie plays fast and loose with a lot of things, a but bit, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Again, as somebody that does not care about football in any level, I had fun. <laughs> uh, I do care about I do care about football, and I had fun. Yeah, you know I care about football uh, from the top of the show, and <laughs> even like I said, even though I didn't like it nearly as much as you guys, it's still fun. Yeah, I am absolutely recommending you check this out if you have it fondly in your childhood, or if you have kids, or honestly, like if you've never seen it. And you're just wanting a good, you know, 
sit on the couch and like you you take take a vacation day from work or like a Saturday morning or something like that. And you you're tired of watching all the bleak stuff that's on TV right now. And you just want a good pick me up like, Uh yeah, I would say check this one out. Uh, Scott, what do you what would you say? Uh, Yeah, absolute recommend. I watch this with my uh, son kind of in the same room, not really paying attention, but there's definitely some parts that he laughed out loud at. He's eight, so he enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah, this is an absolute recommend. It's it's a fun time. Joseph? Yeah, I would definitely say if you have kids, this is probably the perfect movie to put on to watch it with them. If you don't or you're just watching something for the sake of watching it, you can still have fun. Just don't go into the movie expecting it to be as good as you remember it being. Just go okay. in expecting to have fun and you will not go wrong. I certainly don't like this movie as much as I did when I was eight, but yeah, I really like this movie still. So that's fair. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll move on then for our B plot. Uh, we are going to plot out a little giant sequel. The only clarifications I gave you guys was some sort of time jump. Um, I said present day, but I was thinking 1994. If these kids are 10, that's like, that makes them forties. I guess that makes them about the parents age, which maybe yeah. is a little too old for what you want, but like you can be creative with that. So the only parameters they gave it was modern era as well as it has to include Becky jr. And spike. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. So let me hear your pitches. Uh, and this will be fun too, because I have an idea of where I want to go. I just don't quite know how to piece everything together. So I'm just going to like form it together in real time. But for that reason, I'll go last. Let's see. Joseph, you seem to like the movie the least. So let's see how you're going to make a sequel to this movie. Well, in my mind, at some point, Kevin and Danny are no longer the coaches of the Pee Wee team. I don't know exactly why that would be the case. For some reason, I'm also thinking in uh, the YouTube series pitch meeting, but it's like, but wouldn't they still be in town? And it's because the other guy just going, hey, shut up, and then goes to the next thing. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But in my mind, like, for somehow, Newbie has become the coach of the Pee Wee team, and he just is coming up with these, like, all these different plays. And they're not necessarily bad plays, but just the team has not been good for a long time. So they're coming kind of up on the new season. And I just, in my mind, you kind of get like what the original movie has, where you have Becky's, in my, at least what I have, Becky's daughter decides she wants to play uh, Pee Wee football, and Becky just goes, yeah, it's something I did as a kid. You might enjoy it too, so we'll go ahead and do that with you. And after some talking, like preparing for the new season, she ends up getting convinced to join the team as the new coach, and she ends up deciding to keep Newbie on. And in my mind, I don't know why I decided to do this, but in my mind, just in my mind, I just think that it would be cool for her to go. Okay, what are our assets? We have speed. We don't have the strength for some of the opponents we have. And then realizing the best thing to do is to run something that not many schools or teams run anymore, the triple option. And just have that be like the main crux of like how they're going to actually have some success like with this team because they're all undersized, but they're, they have some speed to them. And for some conflict, their first opponent they have is... I'd name them the commanders because like the team they're... There's like this Urbania is like still the Giants. I don't decided, name them you know, the, the Urbania football team or something like that. <laughs> but no, I was like Urbania is like still the Giants, but they go up against another team called the Commanders. And guess what? Spike is their coach. And these kids are mean and they're big and they're scary. And of course, they get blown out in the first game. Uh-huh. And then after that game, they realize they still are missing something, at which point Junior reappears. And Junior had gone on to have like a successful college career also managed to go and win the Heisman 
And I was in my mind has gotten got one game away from winning the Super Bowl, but in the championship game, like broke his collarbone and just was never the same again. And so he comes back into town, has his kid with him, in my mind, his son, who decides he like to join the team as well, because in fact, his son wants to be just like his dad, because who what kids don't. And that ends up being like the final piece they need as they start going on a winning streak that eventually makes it to the championship where, of course, who are they playing? But Spike and the Commanders. Mm. And it ends up being a much closer game. And much like the previous movie, they get a fourth, then fourth down stop where finally, once more, we bring out the annexation of Puerto Rico to win the game. <laughs> mm. oh, nice. Kind of like I mean, one of those one of those moments where somebody comes down from the stands, like remember that play they beat on beat us on, and then he realizes <laughs> what's going to happen, and then it happens, but and only the coach no, opposite coach knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I just like okay. that the idea of that like newbies is kind of like just push aside. He's like kind of down because it's like he's just kind of he's still on the coaching staff, but he's just like uh, I don't know if I should even be here. And then it's just like okay, I have an idea, and they go to, like newbie. You remember that play we called to beat the Cowboys at one time and just had that light bulb moment? <laughs> and then they call the annexation of Puerto yeah. Rico and that just wins the game for them. Yeah, it's a wonderful crowd service moment because every, everyone's waiting for the annexation of Puerto Rico. And so, yeah, having, yeah. having them pull it out again would be a really nice touch. Yeah, and definitely early in the movie as Newbie's the coach, he's just like talking about these different plays and they all have like different names like this play here is the Battle of Midway. <laughs> It's pretty good. This one, the the Imperial Raid of India. (laughs) (laughs) It's like just have names like that. It's just be something, some kind of cool thing like that. It's just mm -hmm. a, it's just a a bunch of British imperialist terms. (laughs) (laughs) The the British imperialist raid of Brazil. The British imperial raid of. (laughs) Have names like that, and just the kids are just like confused part of the time because of the names, but also it's just like these plays are like big smash plays or trick plays, and just they don't work most of the time because obviously mm. if you expect a trick play it's not a trick play anymore yeah yeah true i also want so. a british kid on the team to be offended by all the names uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm fine with that yeah okay all right scott let's hear your pitch i started kind of going the mighty ducks cobra kai route where the little giants turned out to be such a dominant force and just end up being the bad guys, but I I did some rethinking, so I went a different direction. So I decided to go the other way. So ever since that day in 1994, the Little Giants ended up losing, uh, oh, they won 1-39 and 39 over the next four years, where they only won one game because the team got the measles. And they were so bad <laughs> that they um, they completely absolved the, Pee-wee, uh, the Pop Warner League, or Pee Wee football, so football does not exist in that town anymore. So now we're in the year 2022 and kids don't play outside anymore. Everybody's on their smart devices or their video games. So, and, the, and because it's a small town, it's kind of crumbling. And for some contrived reason that some MacGuffin, they have to build up a sports team again. And it's the three locals who have not moved out. It just happens to be Becky, Spike, and Junior. I've got Becky being played by Florence Pugh, because I think anytime I cast something, it's probably going to be Florence Pugh. <laughs> I got Junior as he could Devin Sawa is still a, a viable actor, so you could bring Devin Sawa back. You know, in all honesty, I thought for all three characters for a brief moment of just recasting the original three. Oh yeah, I also went with I I thought, and this will make sense later. 
that Will Friedle, uh who played uh, Eric Matthews in Boy Meets World, uh, thought would be good in a junior role. And then Spike, I thought would be really fun if he was played by uh, Paul Walter Hauser. So <laughs> <laughs> instead of yes. some meathead, uh, Spike just goes into a, a incredible depression. He gets caught up in all the new uh, age technology. He's a he's a gamer now. He like he really let himself go. He doesn't. He watches football, but from the from the armchair in his living room. Not quite the star that he always set out to be. So I just thought there would be a nice contrast there. So the three of them having to build a football a team full of um, kids who don't want to be outside anymore and showing them how they can use their skills from whatever they do online. Um, maybe maybe somebody's able to juke because they're doing TikTok dan- dances or something like that. Or they're using, <laughs> able to use strategy and cooperation of uh, from first-person shooters or uh, other type of um, Battle Royale type games. But just using the, the video games to show them how they can translate their skills to football skills. And I just thought it'd be a, a, a yeah, just a nice, I, I started putting this together in my head and I really want to make this now. So uh, that's my pitch. So you're definitely going the Mighty Ducks game teacher yeah. route a l- where a they get their bit. goalie from <laughs> yeah. NHL oh, yeah. <laughs> online. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't give my uh, cast listing for who I was thinking. Do you want me to go and do that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure, quickly. Since I said that Newbie's like the original coast, I went ahead and put him in there. And for Newbie, I have Jim Parsons. No, that's good. Just because mm-hmm. the fact is like Newbie's that really nerdy character who doesn't mm-hmm. play, but he just comes up with the different yeah. plays. For Icebox, I was just kind of looking at like actresses who would be about the same age as the ones that are in the kids that are in the sh- that are actually in the original movie based on like their every age now. And I decided just to go with Anne Hathaway. It's just good. something about that's kind of like spoke to me is just like the Kind of coming back to her hometown, like having fond memories and stuff like that. Uh, for Junior, I decided to go with John Krasinski. Mm. Yeah. Because he, he very much has that, especially now has that like big time football player feel to uh-huh. him, especially with some of his, uh, I call it Rainbow Six. And I know that's not right. But Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Yeah. But especially with that kind of stuff, he has that vibe. And for Spike, because my mind, Spike had the same kind of uh, track that Kevin did where he got big in college, got to the pros, flamed out. So he's back in like Ohio, just being the whole like big time Pee Wee head coaches. I have him as a uh, Roman Reigns because <laughs> I, I, I was thinking like he needs to be like this big, intimidating, tough guy kind yeah, of thing. I like and it, I, and I know Roman Reigns can pull that off. Yeah, nice. I think if you're looking for the age range, though, I think Batista might be pretty good for that. I look, Dave Batista's actually a lot older than you think because I think he's I mean, in his fifties, right? No, I think he's older than that. There's no way he's in his 60s. Born January 18th, 1969. He's 53. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think I've got this sorted out. Okay. All right. My movie is going to be... Look, in, in actuality, I know I said this movie was a lot of fun, and that's why it works so well. So, But the problem is when coming up for an idea, I mean, I, I couldn't really think of a fun idea other than just like, oh, that would be interesting. So my movie's not necessarily very fun and that's a downside a negative already i know i don't want this movie to be made but i was just my idea started when there was a moment where um it's during the french kissing scene where becky and junior are um on the boat and they're talking about they're talking about that we already said it just kind of doesn't work Mm -hmm. so there's a moment where junior says if i wanted to practice kissing i would practice on and then becky cuts him off so I thought, what if Junior's gay and he doesn't know how to tell Becky? Uh. That's where that's where this started. Because yeah, because because Becky cuts him off. So I'm just like, what if he doesn't know how to say? 
what if he is, okay? Or at least bisexual, you know, yeah. so, so something. Either way. So, Becky and Junior are not together. Nor will they be. So, <clears throat> we're starting off there. Spike is going to be a big player in this movie because Spike got so aggravated by the Giants loss that he wound up become a, even a bigger monster than he actually was. Wound up also going to play at a really big college and won the Heisman Trophy and whatever accolades you want to give him. Spike had a very successful career to where he goes back to coach football. I don't know that this will be peewee. I think this maybe is going to be more like high school level football. Mm, I think that fits. I think. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I think we get some high school level football again, if, if it's a little bit more serious. Anyway, Spike goes back around the home, around the area. It's not going to be the city, though. He's not going to be in Urbania. It's going to be in the county. And so Spike is now the coach of a high school team of a big in a bigger city. You know, and let's just say Urbania is a suburb. I have no idea if Urbania is a real city. I doubt it. But let's just say Urbania is a suburb, you know, 20 minutes away from wherever Ohio State is. And so and Spike went to Ohio State. And then so Spike is doing a high school, you know, where Ohio State is. Yeah, Columbus specifically. Columbus. Okay, I couldn't remember. Um, and I didn't want to be Football wrong. guy right that. here. We're yeah, tied I to know. second with Ohio State, ironically enough. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so let's say Spike went to Ohio State and let's say Urbania is like a suburb, but a distant suburb, you know, to where it's only 4,000 people. But they're in the same district as this high school that Spike now coaches. So they're in the same district in the same all that. So they're, of, of course... The Giants are going to have to play them at some point. So since we're flash forwarding in the future, Ed O'Neill's character, whichever brother he was, Kevin, I think mm-hmm. he's he's passed several years ago. And so the Giants have become a really failing team. And by the way, the Giants is also a high school football team now, too. Not just they were so inspired by the Pee Wee team that they're a high school team now. And and Rick Moranis was coaching them with his brother. But his brother passed away some time ago. And so now Rick Moranis is the sole coach, but he still doesn't really know what he's doing. So the Giants have been terrible for a while. So <clears throat> so he he passes away. Like the beginning of the movie is like he recently passed away. And so Becky is coming home for his funeral um, because Becky's doing God knows what, wherever. Who cares? <laughs> Just not in the city. And so Becky comes home. Or she moves home after his death. So I guess nobody could be the funeral. And then a couple months later, she moves home because she wants to stay connected to run the dad's gas station or whatever. Also, Becky is now coaching the little giants because why not? So junior is coaching the rival team and Becky is coaching the, the, the giants and, and spike and junior are a pairing, not coaching, but they're together. So, um, yep. And then be a twist. Yeah. So, so that's 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 what's happening. So Spike is essentially Ed O'Neill in a town over, and Becky is you know kind of more like Emilio Estevez in Mighty Ducks, except uh-huh. not opposed to the idea of coaching. Right. You know she just did something else. Anyway, the 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 movie is gonna have this big final regional sectional whatever you want playoff high school playoffs. Um, it's going to be a winner takes all game to move on to state or whatever, or maybe they're competing in state. I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever. Because let's say they're competing during state, <laughs> and the towns are farther apart than I said. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like I said, I'm kind of making this up on the fly. <laughs> and um, and Spike, 
who was a good guy, who turned into a good guy, had plenty of character growth between the Little Giants and this movie, is which is why Junior decided, you know, to give Spike a chance because Spike was a douche in the first movie. So anyway, mm-hmm. Spike has had a ton of character growth. Now that he has to face the Giants, the underdogs again, he is reverting to his old self and Junior doesn't like it. So he helps Becky coach during the last game. Mm-hmm. So like halftime, he comes in and helps or something. So anyway, but that's that's my pitch. It's I again, all of it started with what if Junior wasn't into girls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I built it off of that. So I, I don't think it's a t- I mean, no, I, I think that's a fine way to take it. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Is I yeah, I think that really does turn it on its head and bring this more modern and inclusive and yeah. And yeah, I'm that's also a very I'd good way that. to work around the whole thing about Icebox and Junior's mom and dad, like currently by the end of the movie, have like some kind of romantic rekindling. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That, that well, would be a good also, way to work like, around it. Of course, my first thought was the Cobra Kai route or the Mighty Ducks route where, you know, the 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 Giants are the new Cowboys. And so you have to have the new team <laughs> yeah. to, you know, put them in their place. So, mm-hmm. yep. All right, cool. I'm glad that made sense to you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't so. think of any, like, any kind of undertones, like Becky and Junior reconnecting or anything like that. But, like, there probably would be moments of that in there, like. Maybe it's a good way to explain also like what exactly what happened to Danny and Kevin? Like, why are yeah. they not coaching anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and again, it also, to me, helps explain why Junior and Becky have no chemistry in Little Giants. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Junior didn't want any chemistry with Becky. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That works. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that just takes us to the spinoff. Uh, what is one thing in any of pop culture that you want to recommend, warn, or um, yeah, re- tell people to just check out or to stay away from? Scott, let's start with you. So I found a rewatch podcast uh, for Boy Meets World, and I've, nice. I've I've tried to get into rewatch podcasts in the in the past. Uh, Office Ladies did it, but that kind of fell off for me. Sure. Real Doctors uh, or Fake Doctors, Real Friends for Scrubs kind of didn't quite know what they were going to be either too many ads i stopped yeah then they spent like half an hour talking to fans and i'm just like that's nice for the fans but i don't want to hear from them um <laughs> it's it's always it's always sunny yeah. uh i tried to do that it's always sunny but that's not really a rewatch podcast which is a podcast in and of itself which is fine but the, yeah, I follow them on TikTok. They have they have a lot of fun. I like yeah, that. no, I, like that's a podcast I'll definitely go back and listen to. But as far as rewatch, it doesn't hit the mark. As far okay. as the epitome of awesome rewatch podcasts, Pod Meets World, hosted by Daniel Fischel, Will Wilfred L, and Ryder Strong, is amazing. Uh, they will watch an episode and they will actually tear that episode down if it's not good. They'll call out uh, the the time of like this what that's not that wasn't okay then. It's not okay now. They'll talk about some behind the scenes things that weren't okay, like the creator like yelling at them, and they're acknowledging it wasn't a great place uh, at the time. So they're just they're just really raw and honest about it. They actually go through each episode. It's really funny. The chemistry is great. I can't rec- if you if you grew up with Boy Meets World like I did. Pod Meets World is the perfect companion piece to go along with. Nice. That's good. I'm glad there's one that's finally got the solution right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, if I could listen to that fake Doctor's Real Friends one, like, without their ads, I would. But oh, yeah. there's like six ad reels that are like two and a half minutes long each episode. It was annoying. Uh, this this one, uh, Podmeets World does have a lot of ads, but I honestly think that it's worth it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Joseph, what about you? Well, part of me wants to recommend watching the Tennessee-Georgia game this weekend, but... <laughs> I know not everyone's a football fan, so I'll steer away from that and give a kind of a multi-part recommend. Uh, I talked about it at the beginning of the show, but 
recently, I just finished an audiobook for All Quiet on the Western Front. It is a very, it's, it's obviously a hard read, but it is a very well-written book. And it's a very, just tugs at you, doesn't exactly want you to just stop listening to it kind of book. And I would say, you, I would recommend people go back and read this book. It's uh, obviously near, nearly 100 years old now. And then kind of go and look at some of the war poetry by some of the, uh, I know of British troops that specifically served in the First World War who wrote poetry about their service. And just read that as well. Like Wilfred Owen, uh, Siegfried Sassoon, just finding some of their works and just reading them. And just, in a way, getting an understanding of just exactly like how the people who actually were there felt during the conflicts. As my cat decides she wants to get in the screen. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my recommend. Just find a copy of All Quiet on the Western Front, give it a read, and just kind of look for some of that war poetry that uh, came out during and after the First World War. Okay, cool. I would be interested in that. I'll check that out. Scott, if I grew up with Boy Meets World, I would check out Pod Meets World as well. <laughs> but I, I miss the mark, unfortunately. So... Uh, I'm sure it's great, though, and I'm sure lots of people listening will love it. Oh, I hope so. I, me and my wife, a week ago, were, or a couple nights ago, were trying to find a movie to watch, and we didn't, we had a limited time, so it was one of those, had to make a quick decision, so she kind of told me a couple of things that she was interested in, like in terms of genre, and so I pulled out a couple options, and I pulled out a movie, or I gave her two options for movies, and I pulled, I suggested Boondock Saints, or in Bruges, because she said she kind of wanted a little bit more of an actiony movie, and so, but something that isn't too long. But I didn't quite. I wanted something maybe a little more heady, and I was like, she's never seen Boondock Saints. I told her essentially it's the quintessential college guy movie, and it's a fun time. It's stupid, but it's fun. But it takes itself seriously. <laughs> and then I told her in Bruges is a dr- dramatic comedy, black comedy, really about two hitmen that are hiding out in a town after um, a, a hit gone wrong. And she said, pick between the two. I'm kind of like 50-50. I don't really care. I've not seen either of them. And so I said, okay, we're going to watch In Bruges. And as I walk over to my Xbox to put the disc in, I decide, you know what? In Bruges is a very not action-y movie. And I know Abby's going to fall asleep or get bored because of the frame of mind she's in. So what's a similar movie? that I could put on that she would stay awake through. So I pulled out Seven Psychopaths, also written by (laughs) Martin McDonough, and showed her Seven Psychopaths, and I adore this movie. I've seen it before two or three times. She wound up falling asleep, naturally, but I I just really like this movie, and I think it's the inferior movie in Martin McDonough's catalog with In Bruges and Three Billboards being the other ones. It is the the least good of the three of those, but those two are incredible films. And I have mm. yet to see Banshees because it's not um, in my area yet. I mean, you know, as soon as it is, I'll be there. So mm-hmm. I love seven psychopaths. If you haven't seen it yet, you are missing out, especially if you are one of those people that like loves screenwriting and specifically is like, Oh, I really like Quentin Tarantino's screenwriting and stuff like that. And you haven't seen a Martin McDonough movie yet. Yeah, change that. Uh, in Bruges is the better movie. It's the best of the three, I think. But I love me some Seven Psychopaths, and that's the one I watched this week. So that's my official recommend. So hey, I've heard a lot of good things about Mark McDonough's movies. Like I don't think he. I mean, like you talk about Seven Psychopaths probably being the weakest, but as far as I know, he doesn't really have a miss. 
He doesn't, no. Because um, it's only been the three. And then he did a short called Six Shooter, which is also excellent. He did the short first, um, which is excellent. It's a 26-minute short. Um, and it's available on the Blu-ray of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, um, which is a Best Picture winner. So, yes, all three movies, excellent. In Bruges is the best, but they're all three great. So, I would say, actually, I might even recommend Seven Psychopaths first, because you'll kind of know what move, what what you're getting into. Like when you watch it, and then it will help you appreciate In Bruges more. Um, You'll kind of know what to expect, as opposed to thinking, oh, it's a movie about two hitmen. It is, but it's not. And Three Billboards is just a serious film that's remarkable. Anyway, that's a wrap. So remember that you can follow Scott uh, and uh, Jason at Provided Places uh, above. Uh, Was calling me Jason? Nope. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> no proof of it. No way. Well, there's no audio file of this anywhere. Nope. Can't be found. Scott and Joseph. Uh, which Joseph just said, check out Sif Pop stuff. But uh, sorry, Scott said, I'll, I'll have Joseph's Twitter linked in the episode description. You can check out Scott's stuff on SifPop.com. Um, and remember, you can follow me on uh, Letterboxd or Twitter at Schweitcastle. And a uh, quick reminder that Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you want to write for SifPop.com uh, or you want to get in contact, send some feedback for the show, question explore during the B-plot, anything like that, email writersroom at SifPop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening over there. Next week, I'm talking to comic book film with Joe. I regret to inform everybody that I don't have anything selected with him yet. I will tweet it from the Sif Pop account. So in case you're one of those people that follows along and want to watch something before we get it figured out, I will have it tweeted by the time this episode comes out, if not a little sooner, um, just so people can prepare um, that like to prepare. And then next month and nostalgia, I'll have Alex on as a guest. If I had to take a guess, probably getting around to Shrek the third because we've already covered one, two and Puss in Boots. So if I had to take a guess, although that's again me taking a guess not me um, actually uh, saying something definitively. So uh, again, as the weeks get closer, I will announce that on the podcast. So, but that'll do it. Thanks guys for hanging out. I appreciate your time. Hey, happy to be here. Yep. Always a pleasure. For sure. We'll do it again next time. And next time you hear Scott's voice, we'll be talking about three ninjas. Yeah. Um, for sure. And next time you hear Jade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and next time you hear Joseph's voice, uh, we will be talking about something. I don't know what, but something. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We got a couple months yet. So um, anyway, thanks, guys. And don't forget, if you haven't already, go over to Twitter and suggest what movies you want Robert and I to discuss for our GOATS episode. It should be a pinned tweet. Reply on what you want us to to, to put into brackets that we will determine on on the next GOATS episode. So uh, head over there, and, um, and we'll see you next time.